honesty, passion, experience. It's Timberwolves Explosion, hosted on thesportstuff.com and also brought to you by the Oddman Media Network. Here are your hosts, Paladino Joey and Marcus the Forecaster. Logan Timberwolves fans, are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Timberwolves Explosion is available on the sportsstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Great to be on board with you once again today to talk about the state of the Timberwolves 2016 episode as the annual, uh, yep, it is the annual big boy, like the megastone for Timberwolves Explosion, the granddaddy of them all every year. At least that's the way I like to call it. Three-segment show. The first one will be the season wrap-up. We'll put a bow on the regular season. We'll talk about certain events, certain this and that notables during the course of the season. We'll wrap this segment up with the uh, awards and demerits. And then segment number two will be a very dramatic, passion-filled NBA Finals review. Segment number two. So those of you that hate the Cavaliers, I guess you might as well, I don't know, bear with it. I mean, I hope you don't hate them. I hope you appreciate what I have to say in that uh, segment. I recorded it before this one just to piece things together. So just giving you an honest, uh, honest opinion, or just giving you an honest situation there. Ultimately, we'll talk about the draft as well here in this segment. Actually, before the, uh, even before this, even before we go into the second segment. So this first one might be even fairly long as well. Though we only got one player ultimately, and we'll very briefly preview free agency. That'll be a bigger thing in the next episode. In fact, the next episode will be like 90% free agency. It's pretty much going to be all Wolves. But, I mean, I suppose there'll be NBA free agency as well. So, there you go. Uh, let's get hop into it. The season wrap-up. Certain events that took place. Season couldn't have started out more sadly than it did. Ultimately, because it started off with a shocking death of Flip Saunders on October 25th. As we watched the Vikings have a very impressive victory in Detroit that day. Um... It just got interrupted, boy, in that second quarter. It was kind of, it was kind of a, kind of, it was just kind of a nice, peaceful Sunday afternoon about one o'clock, and there's these patchy clouds or whatever, you know, kind of like a, I don't know what you'd call them, cirrocumulus, cirrostratus-ish, kind of gray, but kind of sunny as at well as well, but almost like an angelic, heavenly look to the sun as it was coming through the, the clouds and such. But it also, it just had that feeling like something was going on. You know, it just had that feeling. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. I, I just never will. I, I can't. And it's still hard to this day for me. And I never knew the man. But, I mean, I still get moist. My eyes still get moist as I think about it. And I see the image, you know, in the sky at that moment. Cause I could, I'm just looking out the same window right now that I was looking out. I was sitting on the couch just over there. And, I man... That was a tough, 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 tough way to start the season. It, it, it doesn't get harder. It really doesn't. Um, the president of basketball, president of basket, president of basketball operations, that started this this whole beautiful plan out with with you know he put all these players together. Carl Anthony Towns, obviously Andrew Wiggins, that orchestrated a great trade with the Cavaliers, grabbing Zach Levine, getting Gorgie Zhang, Shabazz Muhammad. Unfortunately, the signing of Pekovic, <laughs> the big, big contract addition. But you know what? Nobody's perfect, and it was just kind of like a feet to the fire thing. We didn't know how good Gorgie was going to be, you know, all that. Uh, we didn't. We weren't necessarily planning on, oh, this Carl Anthony Towns guy was going to, we were going to get the number one pick, and he was going to be a phenom. We weren't planning on all that, so it just kind of was what it was at the time. 
But um, thanks again, Flip, for doing such a great job and being such a wonderful face of the franchise for the time you were a part of the Timberwolves. Um, you just did a, such a good job, and God bless you. We'll give him one more moment of silence here. Thank you again, Flip. And I will also make a note that it is hot in here, and you hopefully you hear hopefully you don't hear too much background noise as I'm recording this. But I have to do it, otherwise I'll pass out. So <laughs> that type of thing. The highlight of the of the season would be the win in the Oracle. Ultimately, as you want to have one quick little highlight, just as we kind of start things off here, and the low light of the season would be getting swept by the Philadelphia 76ers. Tough one to swallow. Tough one to swallow indeed, and that's exactly what it ended up being for the Timberwolves there. Getting swept by the 76ers. Congratulations on getting the number one pick in the draft, by the way. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Carl Anthony Towns would start his career with double-doubles and wins in his first two games, which also were on the road in L.A. and Denver. Carl continued, continued during the course of the season to develop, like I predicted, like Wiggins did the year before, and clearly was the rookie of the year, again, like Wiggins. Your host, that's myself, witnessed a coast-to-coast -coast by Carl Anthony Towns who just kept going and then ran past Memphis's Matt Barnes for a thunderous jam, like a windmill jam, which sent the target center into an utter frenzy. It was a beautiful thing to be there in person, and I kept saying, no, he isn't, he isn't, oh my god! And that's when I called him Carl the Igniter Towns. The kind of yes and yes, I'm copying Carl the Igniter, or excuse me, Paul the Igniter Molitor for the Milwaukee Brewers, and then eventually the Twins, but Paul the Igniter Molitor, how he would ignite rallies, and Carl Anthony Towns ignited a rally when he did that, and that wasn't the first time, and it won't be the last, but that was the moment where I really, really call, saw him as that, and it was a beautiful thing. Uh, he even made a game-winning shot look very easy on the road against the Portland Trailblazers. It was incredibly clutch. Uh, he was incredibly clutch and, ag and aggressive in Oracle Arena despite not starting out the game very well. He shot poorly in that game. He struggled, but then he started attacking the basket, and then he had an unbelievable defensive play on Steph Curry, making him absolutely useless, and it was the most cool thing you ever saw. Just loved it very much. Andrew Wiggins started incredibly slow. He had a sore back, but after getting called out by Rubio in the press, he had some pretty remarkable 30-ish point games with very clutch fourth-quarter play uh, down the stretch. He had one where um, he had one against the Hawks. It was very dramatic. He had a 30-plus point game against the Bulls, against a guy named Jimmy Butler, who played against him a couple times there. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, more reason, I'd rather just, you know, kind of not worry about getting Butler at this stage, especially after getting the draft pick we did. I just couldn't tell you how happy I am with it. But uh, very clutch, ultimately. Uh, Wiggins' play, though, during the year was up and down, and seemed, but he seemed to mature as the season got into the latter months, including some extremely clutch play in the Oracle game as well. The game, the win in Oracle, driving to the basket and getting some end ones and even hitting a three-pointer or two down the stretch. Very cool indeed. Zach Levine, after being named the starting shooter guard in the preseason, began the season out very, very slow and was quickly moved back to the bench, yet Tayshaun Prince would start for several months. Levine then was told by Sam Mitchell that he had to earn his minutes as a backup point guard, driving Zach and several fans into near insanity. Levine would struggle at point guard, but did have some moments, particularly well in transition. In transition, he would he would be setting up plays in transition. That seemed to be his his moments at point guard setting up other players. He was good at that. Uh, you know, some point guards are better in transition than they are in the half-court offense. I would even venture to say Terrell Brandon many years ago was a pretty good pass-break point guard. 
despite the fact see he would never attack the basket, but he was a good in transition leading the team. And Levine just kind of was good at that, was good at that as well. I mean, I'm, I'm probably better at that too than in half court. It's just it's just a different ball game. Later in the year, the Levine machine would utilize a common sense yet extremely valuable weapon in the catch and shoot threes, which would lead him to a, being an upper to being a 40% sniper from downtown. I mean, he had over 40% down the stretch with those catch and shoots. He, he just and it's like it's common sense stuff. You don't think like, yeah, well, so what? Everybody knows that, but it's not necessarily something that's getting enforced by the coaching in, in the NBA necessarily all the time, or the players, they know it and all that, but they're not, like, executing it. They're not acting on it. You just, you, you always want to be a little bit fancy. You always want to do this. You want to do that. You want to think you're in some kind of a, a rhythm of the game by dribbling the ball up and forcing up a shot. I think there's a lot more rhythm in the game moving around without the ball and then being able to catch and shoot and nail that soccer. And Zach Levine really, 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 really emphasized that in a beautiful way during the course of the season as things got better and he also continued the emphatic dunks along the way including yet another slam dunk championship for Zach Levine very cool to see indeed it was as impressive as it got he got in a huge duel but he ended up winning the thing and it was wonderful indeed I was very 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 happy with how things turned out there Gorgie Zheng after starting things very slowly would later be named a starting power forward and, and really rose to the occasion on a nightly basis Gorgie would go on to improve his value, and he, he proved his, his overall value with double-digit rebounds, block shots, not double-digit block shots, but but, a, but multiple block shots, and some athletic play down low. Really impressed with Gorgie saying, and think he can be a starting forward, power forward for this team long-term, ultimately, and you got to think that there'll be a good marriage with Tom Thomas Thibodeau on the defensive side. Very impressed with Gorgie Zhang, ultimately. I think he has a long, long career ahead of him God willing, in the health department, and he's been staying healthy and good on him. Him and Zach Levine, and oh yeah, him, him, Zach, and Andrew and Carl just staying healthy. And you know what? Keep, please keep doing that. Guys who weren't very much staying healthy and appeared to be at the end of their careers for different reasons <laughs> provided help for Carl on a on a, in a but on a, they did provide help for Carl, but on a limited basis. Were Garnett and Pekovic. Neither one of them played at all in latter portions of the season. Pekovic, by about the midway point, or not midway point, but after about a month or so, you never really saw him again. Garnett played for for a while there, and I got to see him play uh, the Timberwolf again, and it was fun against Memphis. But um, eventually, they just you just didn't see him anymore. He's forty now, and it gets to a point like where he's on life support. And I keep saying it, but twenty-two seasons in the league has never been done for a reason because it's too many miles. You know. I mean, it's too many miles, man. I mean, it's like the mileage bar flipped over. It's back to zeros again. Like, holy cow, you put a million miles on that car. That's kind of where Garnett is at this stage. And before you know it, LeBron might be there. <laughs> but not for a while, thank God. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, with all those playoff games too. Jiminy Christmas. Shabazz Muhammad ultimately would have an up-and-down season and also opened the year very slowly but would provide an offensive punch from time to time and saved his best game of the year for the showdown at Oracle. And it was a beautiful thing indeed. I think Shabazz Muhammad still very much has a place in this league. Uh, ended up finishing the season with double-digit scoring after starting at a point where it was like, man, he's only averaging five, six points a game. It was really kind of sad. Disappointing seven points a game. It's like, he's better than this. And he didn't seem like he was getting any playing time. And then eventually it came through. And Shabazz Muhammad was pretty good. But mm, didn't progress as much as you'd hope. But at least he stayed healthy. Versus last season. So good on him there. 
Rubio stayed healthy for the whole year and ran the offense very well with his great passes, proving his value particularly for such an athletic roster. But are we at a crossroads with Ricky, ultimately? Uh, Well, I mean, in the drafting of Dunn, uh, there was a time we thought we were going to trade for Conley. It's no secret that a lot of the better teams in the NBA have a scoring point guard like Lillard, Paul, Curry, and of course Kyrie Irving, one of the true heroes of the NBA Finals, ultimately. It's like that situation, are we at a crossroads with Ricky, or can they play together? That's the question. But ultimately, that's where we're going to be right now. Um, Hard to say at this point, but a nice, strong play kept shows that he's a starting point guard in this league. Can he play with Dunn? Tom Thibodeau thinks so, and that's kind of where we're at with Ricky at this point. But uh, he's also been complaining about the, uh, you know, the losing and such, and is he really... He he does not want to stay here if we have another uh, non-playoff season. And I guess I don't blame him in that sense, but the odds of the Wolves making the playoffs, I think, are fairly high this year, though far from guaranteed at this stage. They have to definitely have to earn it, ultimately. So shall we jump into the season awards and demerits? Yes, we shall. It is time to hop on board with that. Yes, the biggest surprise of the season, ultimately, is Zach, Zachary Levine. Not a huge surprise that he can play, but how much he improved from the start of the season to the end was pretty remarkable, actually, uh, and very encouraging. Over 40% from three in the latter months became a catch-and-shoot wizard. Really, really liked what Zach can do out there, ultimately. Biggest disappointment of the year, Adrian Payne. He doesn't appear to have a place in the league, and we gave up a protected first-round pick for him. Hmm. Adrian Payne, not good, not impressive at all. The House of Pain, whatever it is. Most liable player, is it Andrew Wiggins? Is it Carl Anthony Towns? It's Carl Anthony Towns who carried the walls on a very consistent basis, providing and stabilizing, uh, provided a stabilizing influence, ultimately keeping many of the young guys confident and ready to go. Carl Anthony Towns, is he the future star of the team? It's like... Regardless, if it you know, regardless who's the best player between Wiggins and Towns, he is at minimum a future star of the team because I think both of them are potentially franchise players. So we'll see how things develop over the course of the next couple of years. Wiggins may still end up going out there and averaging twenty six points a game at some point very, very, very soon here. But so might Carl Anthony Towns, who I continue to compare to David Robinson because when he attacks that basket, he attacks the basket. Like David Robinson when he was 24, 25 years old, scoring 26 points a game. I'm not talking about the 33-year-old guy with the mid-range shooting and the solid play and and good defense and more of a uh, secondary role to Tim Duncan. I'm talking about the guy who was the MVP of the league, a guy who could dominate in a big way. Unfortunately for the Admiral, his career started late because he was in the Navy. That's why he's called the Admiral. And then the broken foot and the drafting of Tim Duncan were the other side of things that lessered what could have been one of the type of careers that you'd be talking about, like he's one of the greatest of all time. I mean, Robinson was that good. So when I compare Carl Anthony Towns to David Robinson, I'm comparing him to the guy that you see <laughs> in the YouTube highlights as one of the great stars out there. And not just the YouTube highlights, but those that's what you, that's all you got to your, to your uh, dis- disposal at this stage or back in the day. Like it's the Houston, well, not the Houston Rockets, but, <laughs> but uh, back in 94, 95, 92, 93, I guess whoever, well, why would I bring up the 95? Yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> My bad. Um, but overall, a guy who was a dominant player during the course of that season and, and about four or five others out there is the guy that I think Carl Anthony Towns very much has a future in, and including that mid-range jump shot as well, which he makes look damn, damn, damn easy. So, 
other than that, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play, right? Shall we get into the draft conversation? Or shall we, shall we, shall we just like ignore it and pretend like it didn't happen because we're just going to get Butler anyway, right? That, that's what's going to happen. Well, let's just start off at the top. Why, why don't we? With Ben Simmons going number one to the Philadelphia 76ers, that was pretty much in stone uh, the, a couple days before the draft. And then Brandon Ingram also uh, was pretty much like, yeah, we're, we're, we're taking you. Since the Sixers are taking Simmons, we're definitely taking Ingram. Marcus the Forecaster, who I really did want on the show, and you're noticing he's not here, and I do apologize for that. Uh, we were going to have him on, and then it's like both of our schedules got too tough, and they all ball and chain on both sides here. Both sides. Both sides. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Marcus ball and chain. Joey ball and chain type of deal. So I had to kind of go this direction. But hopefully I can get him on for the free agency show. Wouldn't that be nice? In fact, that one might be easier to do anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's just leave that alone. I don't know. Maybe you would have jumped on me a little too much in the NBA Finals, but we just might get back to that anyway, though. We might have a shorter segment on that one. This one was a little too long. I kind of wanted to get off my chest, but I wanted to get off my chest anyway, so in that way, it kind of worked out. But yes, Simmons and Ingram, that's the boring part, but exciting for the Sixers, I suppose, and hopefully more exciting for the Lakers, uh, for Vince Germano's sake, ultimately. Uh, There you go. Vinny Vinrock Germano getting uh, Brandon Ingram out of Duke, small forward, it's like, uh, last year it was two centers going to Minnesota and Los Angeles. This year it's uh, Philadelphia and Los Angeles. Last year we got the Carl Anthony Towns, and the Sixers ended up winding up with Jalil Okafor instead, instead of the Lakers, which is kind of weird. They, you know, the Lakers went kind of out of the box, took uh, Mr. Russell there, ultimately. Um, still kind of, uh, well, you know, the jury's still kind, of, still kind of out with that one. We'll see what happens. A lot of us think that Simmons is the, uh, especially me and the forecaster, think that Simmons is the Jill Okafer, so they're getting Jill Okafer again, in a way. Hopefully this one will be better behaved, though, but not as good as the Carl Anthony Towns, which we, we both agree Brandon Ingram will probably be the best player out of those two. Who's going to ultimately be the best player in the whole draft? Who knows? Uh, maybe it will be Jamal Murray, like I was talking about. Um... At this point, I hope not, though. He went to the Denver Nuggets. I don't like that team. So I I hope it's not the Nuggets. We'll just see what happens. And I went way ahead of myself there. Number three, the pick that was pivotal for all of us. We sat there eating our Pizza Hut, drinking our Coke. Me and Marcus the Forecaster in his uh, his man cave there in Brooklyn Center. Hoping and praying that it wasn't going to be Chris Dunn. And it looked like all eyes were on number three. Chris Dunn was going to get drafted by the Celtics. Odds are he was going to get traded to Chicago. Going to get traded to Philadelphia, maybe even to the Timberwolves, because we know Thomas Tom Thibodeau is a Chris Dunn guy. But uh, as much as I like Jamal Murray, and much as I endorsed him on the last episode, since then and now, I'd kind of changed my tune a bit. Just like I was kind of cool with Jill Loca for coming to the Timberwolves at one point, and ultimately I changed my tune over to Carl Anthony Towns. Luckily, I was right, thank God, and many others out there that wanted Carl Anthony Towns, because I know more of you wanted Carl than wanted Jill Okafor. In fact, I think it was almost like 8 out of 10 wanted Carl. And you know what? Good job. Good job. 100% good job. See, I'm no genius. I'm not up here bragging. I'm not pompous. I pray to God people out there don't think I'm pompous. I'm confident in my ability to do this show. I love doing this show. I love talking about the Timberwolves, and I love my experience. I love my... uh, longevity as well and doing this show and hanging around but um the pivotal moment right here this is it and then it's jalen brown huh well all right jalen brown yeah 
Hey, Jalen Brown is going to the Boston Celtics. Thank you very much, Boston. So, and then Vince immediately texts me on Messenger. What the hell? Wow. Uh, there's no way the Suns are going to take Chris Dunn. Looks like you got him, buddy. And then the Suns, as a lot of us were kind of thinking for the longest time, we're going to take Dragon Bender. Because they have to replace, you know, their other their other dragon over there. But, uh, okay, I'll leave that alone. I'm getting... <laughs> I don't want to even think about that right now. But, yeah, Dragon Bender ultimately going to the Phoenix Suns, who took about 19 power forwards, just like the Sacramento Kings. God, give me the strength, right? <laughs> I'll get back to that in a minute. But Dragon Bender going to Phoenix, and good luck to them there. Uh, very talented guy. It's going to be a little while, though. Uh, Alex Len was kind of a similar situation. He's starting to develop into a nice player that left us with the Wolves. It was right as the... And, and the crazy part is it just shows you how much the Wolves wanted him. Right as the Phoenix Suns drafted Dragon Bender. It was Timberwolves around the clock, and it was just pick his in. Like, okay, they weren't waiting, were they? And I was thinking, it's got to be done, right? I mean, maybe there's a chance it's Jamal Murray, but it's between Dunn and Murray here. I mean, if it's Buddy, I'd be very, very surprised if it's Buddy. Very surprised. Uh, just because... Even though it wouldn't be the worst thing ever if the Wolves got Buddy, but it's probably Chris Dunn. And it was Chris Dunn. So there you go. Providence point guard Chris Dunn coming to Minnesota, age 22. You know, that beautiful block by LeBron James, that just saved everything, and it was the defining moment of the NBA Finals in the 2015-16 season. You knew the Cavs were going to win when he did it. You just, you just knew it. And you see Chris Dunn blocking shots in similar fashion at the college level. And you saw Dwayne Wade do it in a defining moment over the Dallas Mavericks back in 2006. Similar type of situation, coming up from behind a guy and knocking the ball away. And it was like, oh my god, they're really going to win this thing. You, you can just get the feeling, and this guy's something special. When I saw Chris, when I see Chris Dunn doing that, and, or when I saw LeBron doing that, I'm like, you know, in, those, you know, in the videos and, and, and in the college season, Chris Dunn doing stuff like that. I really want Chris Dunn. Not only because he's a, he's a good offensive player, but he can make those big plays in big moments, and boy, oh boy, I, I would love to have Chris Dunn on this team, and there he is, and I'm very, very, very pleased to have him on the roster. He's not an end-all superstar of the future, necessarily, but he doesn't have to be an end-all superstar of the future. Ultimately, is he a better point guard long-term for the Timberwolves than Ricky Rubio? I think the chances of that are out, are outstanding. I do, ultimately. Um... Very happy, ultimately. About 45% from the floor, about 37 from three-point range. This was last season. That's better than I remember. I thought it was 34, but I'm getting confused now. But ultimately, um, a cool statistic is also done, and Patrick Ewing are the only players in Big East history to win the league's player of the year and defensive player of the year honors twice. So clearly, yeah, when I look at the comparisons, though, online, Jordan Clarkson, I mean, Jordan Clarkson? I would hope he's better than Jordan Clarkson, though. I mean, I don't know. I don't like that comparison. When I watch him, I see Dwayne Wade. I really do. And that doesn't mean he's going to score 26 points a game like Dwayne Wade, but make big make big plays offensively and defensively and big moments. I think that's where you can get a little Dwayne Wade out of Chris Dunn. And I'm very, very, very happy to have him on the roster for the Wolves. I mean, I, I, I'm just absolutely thrilled. And he's a bigger guy at six foot four. So is Rubio. He's 220 pounds as well. Strong, son of a gun. And his upbringing, you've heard about it in multiple media outlets in town. Those of you maybe that don't hear it as much, uh, grew up in a very tough situation. Uh, his mom was frequently in jail, and he kind of had to fend for himself, him and his brother. They just kind of kept it going. They refused to go to foster home. And then ultimately, they, uh, got, they he was able to survive through all that and 
stay tough, stay tough, stay tough, and he started playing basketball. His dad wanted him to play football. He was actually a pretty good football player playing safety. And ultimately, though, he chose basketball, and there you go. He's the fifth overall pick in the draft out of Providence. So good on you. And he wanted to also he wanted to finish college in order to uh, – he wanted to make sure he got his degree because no one else in his family had had one at that time. So good on you, Chris Dunn. Got his degree. He's 22 years old, and he's ready to play in this league, and we couldn't be happier to have him. Luckily, he's a young 22 at this stage. So we're, we're not bringing him in hoping he's like Stefan Marbury, you know, bada-bing, bada-boom. He's going to go out there and average 23, 24 points a game and um, be the next superstar point guard in the NBA. We're bringing him in to be a very good point guard, and maybe even, maybe maybe he will be a superstar. You never know. But maybe he could be like a Gary Payton with the defensive side. But the Payton before he started scoring 24 points a game because he had to with the, with the Sonics, but maybe an 18 to 22 points a game type of point guard, if he's that good, along and he's one of the top defenders maybe in the league as the years go by, we took, we took the right guy here. Uh, Jamal Murray, I think, is going to be a fantastic player. I hate who he went to. And that might end up being kind of boring in a way. Maybe he won't succeed to a, to a level he would have in a different team. But we'll just have to wait and see how things go with that. Maybe I don't need to be too negative on it. Maybe it's just kind of his thing. And we'll see how things develop with that. But I couldn't be happier. The Wolves took Chris Dunn. I think he's the right guy. And thank you very much. This is not kissing ass to Thomas Tom Thibodeau or Scott Layden. I think it's the right guy. I do. Um, I mean, Jamal Murray, there would have been a kerfuffle with Zach Levine. There would have been a kerfuffle with Zach Levine for all of you fans of his out there, but a but a healed same th- same situation exactly. Um, and you bring in you bring in Butler. I think it would hurt uh, Wiggins. Mister uh, Hank out there disagrees in that category, but I don't know. We'll talk about that in segment number three. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Jamal Murray, oh yeah, Buddy Hill ultimately went to the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that really needs to improve after really being a huge disappointment last year. Offensive coach Buddy Held, maybe. For his sake, he will have a huge jump there. Jamal Murray, number 7-2. Denver, congratulations to him. Marquise Chris ultimately traded to the Phoenix Suns. And as the night progressed, a guy by the name of DeMarcus Cousins showed his frustration by saying in all caps, God or Lord, give me the strength. As uh, they would say in the old school back in the day there. <laughs> That's like an old school statement, ultimately. Um, frustrated son of a gun there, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I mean, just... it. it, it I, I don't know. I mean, Phoenix and Sacramento didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Now, taking Dragon Bender, nothing wrong there. But it was like power forward center one after another. You already have Alex Len. Now, having Len and Bender is one thing. But when you take all these other power forwards and centers one after the other, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, Marquis Chris, too, to the Suns? I don't know. I, I'm kind of confused a little bit. Ultimately, though, uh, the Suns ended up with... <laughs> yeah, the Suns ended up with... Or actually, they didn't. The Kings ended up with uh, another uh, Greek freak. We'll say, yeah, <laughs> Pop- Papa Giannis. It's Papa Giannis. Yes, congratulations, Papa Giannis, going to the Sacramento Kings. Mister uh, Mister uh, Demarcus Cousins not too pleased about that. Kind of confused. He's a center. We'll see what happens. Ultimately, Denzel Valentine. A lot of people thought he was going to come to the Wolves in a trade where Chris Dunn. And either Rubio or Levine, who Wolves supposedly offered Rubio and Dunn, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Who's their point guard going to be? Tyus Jones? Or do you, are we so convinced we're going to get Mike Conley in a free agency se- se- season where 
everybody can spend a lot of money. It, it isn't just us, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Jacob Puttel, I don't know a whole lot about him. Thon Maker, a guy we talked about, was kind of exciting. Ultimately going to the Bucks much earlier than we expected. Congratulations to the Bucks. That might end up being a really nice pick, so can, that's a good one right there. Sabonis. Damantas Sabonis was drafted by the Orlando Magic, but then you saw something crazy happen. Now, Denzel Washington went 14th to the Bulls. I kind of jumped ahead. I'm not going to talk about anybody else. This is the big, this is probably the biggest draft of the whole, uh, the whole uh, um, draft night, the biggest trade of the whole draft night. I couldn't believe what, I mean, uh, Sabonis and the cars that taken by Orlando, blah, blah, blah. But wait a minute, they have Vuvicic, so, huh. Because Sabonis will, I suppose he could play power forward. But then you have, um, yeah, you have the trade of the night right there. Mr. Serge Ibaka going to the Orlando Magic for Victor Oladipo, Ilisova, and Damantas uh, Sabonis, the number 11th pick, to the Thunder. Um, unbelievable. Oladipo and Sabonis and Ilisova to the Thunder for just Serge Ibaka. Hmm. I'm confused. Um, wow. I, oh, oh, okay, Orlando, I guess you like Serge Ibaka. I, I, I'm confused with Orlando there. What? I I don't know. Serge Ibaka, I think, is confused, too. He's just kind of like, thanks a lot, guys. I mean, we were like, you know, a, maybe le- uh, less than a quarter away from going to the NBA Finals. They probably would have lost to Cleveland. Now I'm convinced they would have, but I was convinced they would have last show. Uh, Victor Oladipo, that's going to be a massive help for the Thunder. He'll either be a help or a kill for the Thunder. He, he might kill the Thunder, too. Who who knows, though. Um, but the odds of Mr. Uh, I keep calling everybody Mr. and i got to stop. But the odds of Kevin Durant staying with the Thunder, I think, increased dramatically. Congratulations to the Orlando Magic to convince the... Uh, to convince the Orlando Magic to make that move. Congratulations, Oklahoma City Thunder. Another big trade. I didn't talk about Derrick Rose and Justin Holiday going to the New York Knicks. 2017 second-round pick also for Robin Lopez to the Chicago Bulls, uh, Jose Calderon, and Jerry and Grant. Grant off to a slow start in his rookie year. We'll see. I mean, I guess he's going to be one of the main point guards for that club, along with Jose Calderon. He'll be like the Band-Aid point guard. He'll be the the Matt Castle, right, for the uh, Chicago Bulls, I guess. Uh, Robin Lopez. I... I I don't know. I mean, I, Derrick Rose, I guess, doesn't demand a whole lot, I suppose. Even though Robin Lopez is a good player, but the Bulls are not going to compete with that roster. It's not going to happen. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler's a good player, and the Dan Burrows of the world were pretty convinced Butler was done being traded anywhere. There was rumors throughout the night about the Wolves and Jimmy Butler and all that nonsense going on. But luckily for us, uh, Jimmy Butler didn't come here. I, I'd rather just keep the roster the way it is with Chris Dunn. I think it's a good idea. Uh, if you end up trading Rubio at some point, you end up trading Rubio, but let Dunn earn it first, I suppose. Doesn't kill me having Rubio still on the roster. Maybe they play together, which Tom Thibodeau believes they can. So it's that type of deal. The rest of them were just kind of moving guys around and such, and moving draft picks around. It gets confusing, and it's with teams that don't really, I I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like first, first overall pick type of stuff. Uh, we don't need to talk about all of them. It, it just, you know, it's just not really worth it at the end of the day. Free agency is about to begin, ladies and gentlemen. It's the most wonderful time of year for all of us gigantic NBA fans, and how could it not be? Kevin Durant is the top unrestricted free agent on the board out there. I think he stays in Oklahoma. That's my ultimate uh, prediction with that one. I don't think he's going to go to the Warriors. That would be stupid. I I really think it would be, and I guess he'd be the next LeBron in terms of like, we're going to go to Oklahoma. 
We're going to go to Golden State and win not one, not two, not three. You know what I mean? It'll be something. It would be something of that area. They would get real cocky, thinking they're going to carry it all over the place. But I, I think he's going to stay in Oklahoma City. In my humble opinion, I don't think there's any reason he wouldn't. LeBron James has already made it pretty clear he's going to stay in Cleveland, and congratulations for him. Ultimately, no reason why he shouldn't stay in Cleveland. LeBron James, he'll get a pretty nice contract after that. It might be another shorty. Who knows what's going to happen with LeBron? But I think he's, I think he's going to finish his career in Cleveland after winning a championship. If things went really badly this year, like it was going to be a five-game series, like a lot of us thought it might end up being, then. LeBron, maybe there were rumors about him going back to Miami. Now, maybe Dwayne Wade will come to Cleveland, who he's also a free agent. Maybe he'll come to Minnesota, right? No, I don't know. Uh, Andre Drummond is a restricted free agent. I'm sure he'll stay in Detroit, then they'll match any offer, that type of thing. Pretty valuable guy. He's not a superstar, but he's a really, really, really good player. He's the best rebounder in the league, and good on him there. About as good a shot blocker and rebounder as you'll see in the league is Hassan Whiteside. And he is open to go anywhere pretty much at this stage. It's no joke about him uh, leaving Miami. It could very much happen. Maybe he'll stay there. Who knows? Marcus, the forecaster, wants the Wolves to go after him as well. And it doesn't surprise me. He's always liked Whiteside. He even liked him back before he was any good. Ultimately, he saw in him what other people didn't. DeMar DeRozan is in his player option. Ultimately, odds are that he'll come out of it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he'll stay in Toronto. Um, but during this season, when he's making $9.5 million and he averaged 23.5 points a game, and he's a well, he's a well versatile player, about 4.5 rebounds and 4 assists a game, not bad at all. Don't be surprised to see DeMar DeRozan command a lot of money in the open market, maybe $18 million a year, you know, or even more, in my humble opinion. Hope he doesn't go too crazy, but this free agency period has me scared to death, ultimately with some of the idiotic contracts that are probably going to take place. Mike Conley is an unrestricted free agent, and he was a Wolves target possibility. He's a Spurs target, ultimately. I think that's where he's going to go, but who knows? He, he might end up going anywhere. A lot of people like to bring up Al Horford and the Timberwolves. I don't know about that. I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed in Atlanta. I would not be surprised either if he wound up with the Miami Heat, actually. Or the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I I think he's going to stay in the Eastern Conference. If he goes to Golden State, I'll be furious. But who knows? I mean, if something crazy is going to happen, maybe the Warriors will get another big splash. Maybe they'll bring in Dwight Howard. (laughs) That would be really cool. (laughs) But no, Al Horford, I think he's going to stay in the East. I think he either stays in Atlanta, goes to Cleveland, or goes to the Miami Heat. Particularly if they lose Hassan Whiteside. Do not be surprised to see the Heat throw a lot of money at Al Horford. That that's just that's just a hunch coming out of me. I'm certainly not a reporter, but I get a vibe about things, and sometimes I sometimes I'm right, man. Dwight Howard, just retire seriously. <laughs> nice statistics in the rebounding category: only 13.7 points a game. Uh, he's not a superstar, and he's never happy. No matter where he goes, he he made almost 23 million dollars this year. Well, 22.3 million. With the Rockets, not worth that kind of money. And then you have him in the open market. Who knows what he's going to want? I say let him be the next Latrell Strewell and complain about feeding his family and just sit there and never feed his family again. You know what I mean? That's what I say to do to Dwight Howard. Screw him. Um, The Knicks supposedly are interested, and you know what? Good luck to the Knicks then. I mean, I would like to see the Knicks improve because I think it's good for basketball. They have the New York Knicks play well. It was fun to watch in the 90s. I, I enjoyed it. Dwight Howard is no Patrick Ewing, no man. Uh, he could have been, but he's not. He's just not. 
Bradley Beal's a restricted shooting guard with Washington. Um, uh, <laughs> whatever. I don't care about him. Uh, not much. I, I really don't. Um, I don't know. Uh, he's going to command a decent amount of money from somebody. I don't know how much. I say don't get stupid with him. D. Wayne Wade has made a lot of money over his career. It's crazy. Um, he's had a, he, he had a nice little rebound of a year, but nothing super special. Still 19 points a game compared to what he used to be, but still, still a multifaceted guy. Uh, I've always liked him. Always liked him. Uh, do not be surprised that he'll go back to the Miami Heat because I think he wants to stay there. But if he goes anywhere, it's to Cleveland. If he goes anywhere, it's Cleveland. It's not the Bulls. It's not the Bulls. It's not going to happen. End of story. Harrison Barnes, yeah. You really want to give him a max contract? I mean, he looked like absolute dog dookie in that finals, man. Screw that crap. <laughs> I'm not interested. Uh, maybe he goes to the Miami Heat again. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see teams like the Heat. Maybe even, I don't even know where Harrison Barnes might go. Maybe he just stays there. I don't know. He's still a restricted free agent. It depends on how big of a splash, no pun intended, the Warriors intend to make in the offseason. If they just want to kind of say, hey, you know what, we were this close. We won 73 games. We don't need to go a bleep with our roster. And maybe Harrison Barnes comes back. But he has been quite a disappointment for what he was supposed to be, I think. I think he's been a bust for the most part for what he was supposed to be in this league. Paul Gasol player option. He'll probably try to get more money. Good for him, whatever getting pretty old. I wouldn't, you know, let's talk, let's stop talking about Paul Gasol. That's my opinion. Chandler Parsons once, you know, he made over $15 million a year last year. I would say keep the option. He played well, but $15 million, is he really going to get that much of a raise? A guy that had a player option and has opted out already is Dirk Nowitzki. Only $8.3 million for Dirk Nowitzki, but he's also 38 years old. He went on 39 I don't know how much more money he wants to get. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it would be really weird to see Dirk Nowitzki play somewhere else, but it happens all the time. You saw Hakeem Olajuwon play for the Raptors. You saw Michael Jordan with the Wizards, but that was Jordan with his retirement bullcrap. You've seen Patrick Ewing go to the Sonics, which is weird as hell, to the Orlando Magic and such. Uh, weird things happen. Weird things indeed happen. Or guys that played forever go somewhere else at the very, very end. Maybe it'll happen there. Uh, it'll probably be a sad thing to see as well as Dirk played last season. It'll probably be very sad indeed. Nicholas Batum, Nicholas Batum, a guy that Wolves used to target. I don't want him. I, I mean, there's another guy you overpay and he lets you down. Rajon Rondo's a free agent. Good for him. <laughs> Wouldn't mind having him on the team, but at the same time, eh, he's too much of a too much of a problem child. I don't necessarily want him on the roster either. Al Jefferson's an unrestricted free agent. Let's bring him home, baby. No, that's not going to happen. Tim Duncan says he's going to come back one more year. I can't believe it. Getting way too old. I don't know what the point is ultimately with that one. Ryan Anderson, I don't know. Uh, not much of a defensive player, but can certainly shoot threes. Good on him. Marcus DeForcaster really wants Lou Aldang. I don't know. A lot of you guys like him, but does he ever stay healthy? And he's not that good anymore. He's, he's, only, like, he's only like a backup player at this stage. I don't know. I mean, maybe for some veteran leadership, I guess. But let's not go ape bleep with the uh, let's not go ape bleep with the contract of the guy like that at his stage. He's just getting kind of old, and he's not that good anymore. So you just keep bouncing around. Jordan Clarkson, restricted free agent. I think the Lakers should keep him. Oh, a guy named Joe Kim Noah supposedly was getting offered a max salary from the from the Washington Wizards. I don't know where that came from, but good on them, I guess, if they do it. I don't want to pay that kind of money to Joe Kim Noah. I think he's kind of. Uh, 
I think he's really, really, really on the back end of his career. I'm not all that interested, ultimately, in him at this stage. After that, it just kind of gets to be in the, a little bit further down. Certain guys that you might like a little bit, they're restricted, and other guys are player options and this and that. I don't know. We'll just kind of leave that alone. Hypotheticals. Something might happen. Maybe Kent Bazemore. That's a guy that's been mentioned, but he certainly would not be a high-end uh, addition to the roster. He'd be a low-end addition, but could be a could could be helpful. He's not a bad player at all. little spark plug off the bench, and that is something that... Uh, Mr. Tom Thibodeau certainly wants to build up his the bench. Him and uh, Scott Layden as well would like to do that. So that's pretty much where we stand at this point with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Maybe even Jamal Crawford might come over to bring in some veteran leadership with a fairly limited playing time, but a guy that has been unbelievably durable over the course of his career and good on him. Congratulations. And he was a hell of an interview when he got on the Scoop podcast with... Uh, with uh, <sighs> Darren Doogie Wolfson. Very cool, very impressive indeed in that category. So let's leave things alone here. Let's jump into the segment, talk about the NBA Finals. It's going to be fun. I, I hope you like it. I certainly did. Maybe you won't as much as I did. But, well, thanks again for listening at the very least. You know, nobody's invincible, are they? And this Finals proved it once again. And we are back here on Timberwolves Explosion, segment number two. We are going to review the NBA Finals. Also, I'll briefly mention, because we didn't quite wrap up the uh, seventh game of the (laughs) Thunder and the Golden State Warriors in uh, the Western Conference. Well, Golden State continued their momentum run. The Warriors led for a while, but Golden State slowly but surely took the lead and all that. And Curry, when the Warriors were already up by four, launched a three at... uh, and nailed it, and then started dancing around and going crap, going all crazy with his team, with his teammates, and all that. At least he was celebrating with his teammates, but it was, I don't know, uh, I don't know. I didn't like it too much, but whatever. I, I, I guess you just kind of, it just kind of goes goes with the territory. And I wouldn't be surprised if Westbrook was talking a lot of stuff the whole time, and it kind of came back to bite him. But the good news is, stuff comes back to bite <laughs> everybody. You know. It came back to bite Westbrook, I'm sure, because he was talking a lot during that series. I'm sure he was, and Curry does a lot, has done a lot of things the whole damn season. And the way they were just kind of making a mockery of that uh, Cleveland team on Christmas Day and the other time as well, and the whole comment about, oh, it still smells like champagne here in Cleveland. You know what? You can tell the media as much as you want that things get taken out of context, and it happens all the time. It doesn't matter. You said what you said, regardless... It still kind of come, came back to bite you regardless. The dancing, the celebrating, and basically making a mockery of the Cavaliers during the season. And this belief, like you're invincible, it came back to bite the Seattle Seahawks in the 2014 Super Bowl. The Super Bowl of that season, anyway, came back to bite the Carolina Panthers the next year against the Denver Broncos. Nobody saw the Denver Broncos winning the Super Bowl. And nobody saw the Cleveland Cavaliers winning an NBA championship this season. Except your host, Timberwolves, of Timberwolves Explosion, and I'm sure other people out there did predict the Cleveland Cavaliers would win the NBA Finals at the beginning of the season. With that said, it was like, well, maybe that wasn't the best choice ever, right? Was it? Because how the Warriors went on and had their season starting 20-0, and and it just kept going and going, and then they went up to win 73 games. 
But some vulnerability, some signs of vulnerability started to show up during uh, the month of April and such. The Timberwolves beat the Warriors and it was the most beautiful thing you ever saw. I, I couldn't believe it. I was so happy. We all enjoyed it. We talked about it. Look up Gold Diggers in the previous episodes of Timberwolves Explosion to see about that. And again, please forgive me if there's any background noise. I hope there isn't, but it's very hot in here and I'm trying to keep myself cool a little bit so you get the idea. It's kind of hard to record if you're about ready to pass out. I'm a little LeBron-like. I might cramp up and have to get dragged out of here. So please, (laughs) bear with me, right? See, I can poke fun at a guy that I... You know, I I like LeBron James, and I know I'm in the minority, and that's just too bad. Great, I'm in the minority. So be it. So be it. I'm still here behind the microphone regardless if I'm in the minority or the majority. Because going with trends is not always the right way to go. Just because it's a popular opinion does not always make it fact, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. (laughs) The first two games of the NBA Finals to start out the month of June were... (laughs) Yeah, great, great basketball. Just fantastic. And I was talking about how, you know, our good buddy uh, Tyron Liu being a good defender when he played, and he's a nice defensive coach, and the Cavaliers have the ability to play good defense. You know, uh, and you saw, like, how they could be like the Denver Broncos for the NBA this year. You know, the, the you know how the NFL was Denver Broncos, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea about the NBA's version of the Denver, Bron- Denver Broncos this year. And then you see complete lack of defense, complete sense of urgency in those first two games. I mean, it was putrid. The second game, June 5th, I was already dealing with some bull crap <laughs> with the with the, uh, with the the other half that day. You know, just, I don't know, it just wasn't a pretty day. And we're eating at a, at a place called the Raisin Cajun, which is pretty good stuff, actually, here in Brooklyn Park. But just, but guess what was on all the monitors and everybody in that frickin' place? I almost, you know... Everybody in that frickin' place, ah, ha, 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 look at that. Oh, he could make it from there. He almost made it from there. It's This is, ah, they're the best team, and ha, ah, Cleveland doesn't have a chance, and ha, ah, Warriors are so much better. Yeah, that's pretty much, it was just, I, really, you know, do I have to watch, I mean, does this have to be happening? Does everything have to go wrong? I was flipping off this, the TV, the television. I was doing it. Well, everybody else is, ah, ha, ha, oh, and all that. I'm being... And no, I didn't know anybody there, and nobody was paying attention to me flipping off the TV, which was perfectly fine. Because go ahead and go ahead and uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and eat that crow. It, it tastes good, doesn't it? Does it? Just just let me know how that crow tastes, because I'm not eating any crow right now, even though, even though, <laughs> even though <laughs> I'd be a liar to say I thought Cleveland was going to win the championship after those two games. It did not look good. I I mean, but. The beginning of the season, I had a vibe that that was truly the best team in the league this year. Kevin Love did not really, during the season, and well, the season, early on in the playoffs, he, he played that number two, number three, number three guy role fairly well. Kyrie Irving, same thing, and it carried the Cavaliers to the finals with pretty much ease for the most part. But then Kevin Love in the first couple of games there, and Kyrie Irving was non-existent. LeBron was out there just kind of doing what he could, and he didn't look as good because he's on his own getting his ass handed to him. 110-77 to in that second game after a 104-89 meh, crappy-ass game in Game 1. And then the 110-77, to it just looked like the Memorial Day Massacre. The Celtics beating the, uh, the Lakers back in 85. But unfortunately for the, uh, the Celtics, it turned out the same way, didn't it? 
It turned out the same way. You know, a laugher. Mockery. It's over, baby. But, thank, thankfully, thankfully, <laughs> the, the Warriors, you got to win four games to win the finals. I'm, I'm truly sorry to, regretfully, I, I, I regretfully have to inform you, you got to win four games to win the finals. You have to. Yes, you won. You only lost nine games the whole series, the season, so how the hell are you going to lose four games in any series? But wait, you lost three games against, against uh, Oklahoma already, and then you built some momentum, took advantage of it, and once you had the momentum, it was over for the, the Thunder, no matter how well they played in that seventh game, or so we would like to believe. The Thunder, excuse me, the Warriors. See, I'm never going to get those two unwrapped, because it's like they're the same team in a way. No, no, they're not, but... <laughs> in a way they are because both of them were the darling you know everybody was on their everybody's on their jock they're the darling of the country except for some local people here thank god on, on Flip's Army a lot of them uh, excuse me yeah Flip's Army seem to uh, be on the Cavs side a couple of you flip flopped I, I won't name names but you know who you are if you're listening <clears throat> and you know what go ahead and flip flop that's fine I mean it's 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 not your team. I, I, I got it. You know, the Cavaliers are not my favorite team. They're third, third, I guess you could say. Because, you, you know, you, the Celtics are a strong second because I'm Minnesota first, Boston second. And then I have a rooting interest in the Cavaliers, which is not bandwagon. It is a rooting interest. I don't have Cavaliers uniforms or jerseys. I don't have a Cavaliers hat. I didn't even get a championship shirt, even though it would be fun to get it. Just to, to because, I mean, because I enjoyed it so much. It's a nice piece of history. Wonderful piece of history. Game three, did you ever really see the Warriors get crushed by 30? Well, you saw them get beat by 25 by Oklahoma, so I suppose 30 is possible. But Cleveland put the whoop-ass on the, on the Golden State Warriors, and I never say that, but it's just, I don't know, I'm just kind of in the mood for saying that for the moment for some odd reason. 120 to 90? Holy smokes, it's like the same type of score that the, the Warriors put on the, the, the Cavaliers just a couple days ago. Well, gosh darn it, that was kind of nice. There you go. Way to show up and play, Cleveland. Way to show up and play. Thank God that that's, there's still a possibility that something like that just might happen. <sighs> I don't understand why this is not doing what I want it to do, but I suppose that's just how it goes sometimes. There it is. There you go. Two guys that will go down in history as the men that led this team in a historic comeback in many ways. And in a Triple Crown-like event days later. Two men that both eclipsed the 30-point mark in this game. LeBron James with 32 points. Kyrie Irving with 30 points. J.R. Smith scorching the net at home. 50% from three-point range. 5 of 10. 12 of 25. Kyrie just looked beautiful. He was actually playing some defense on Curry, making him not look so good. And he was hitting shots like crazy. Driving to the basket. LeBron James, same thing. LeBron James, it was like the subtle things. The most subtle possible things. That you could imagine, somehow, some way, changed things just a tiny bit, like changing the orbit of a planet by a fraction, and I mean the slightest fraction of a percent. You don't notice it right away, but in time, it can t- make catastrophic differences. It can cause catastrophic differences ultimately. Just little casual, the way LeBron James would block Curry's shots, as he would try to kind of finish after the whistle. He, he went up and just kind of blocked it, like as if to say, no, uh-uh. And you want to say Al Garnett did that all the time, but LeBron started doing it. And it was actually, on a couple of them, they were on plays that would have been and ones. And they just kind of started happening. And this was a game where 
it was interesting the way LeBron just kind of was, uh, just had an, an urge to block anything that came his way, ultimately. And he wound up with two blocks in the game, six assists, and a lot of people call him a modern-day Magic Johnson, and sure. And a guy by the name of Tristan Thompson wound up with 14 points and 13 rebounds as well. And Kevin Love was unavailable. And okay, there you go. No Kevin Love, Cleveland wins. So why the hell would you play Kevin Love again, right? Well, we'll find out later how Kevin Love did, won't we? Or those of you that did see it, ultimately. Saw it. <laughs> Game four looked like it was the dagger. Nail in the coffin. It's over. Stephen, Steph Curry, the vampire hunter, or would I like to call him the rubber muncher, more affectionately. Because that's what it's all about, that, that old rubber muncher right there. Chewing on that uh, mouth guard. Well, he scored 38 points. This was in Cleveland. Yeah, in Cleveland. Curry just went eight bleep the whole game. And it was good for you. Kyrie Irving still managed to get 34 points, but um, only four assists in the game. LeBron James struggled. It seemed like it just the, the sense of urgency wasn't there for Cleveland, defensively or offensively. 108-97. The final score, not indicative of just how awful the game was. Golden State just kind of I don't know, messing around a bit. Kevin Love was in there. looked like didn't even really belong there. And as uh, Marlena out there would like to say, Kevin Love is not legend. No, he's not legend. He's not. <laughs> he's still not legend, right, as you'd say. <laughs> and those of you out there that say Matthew Dellavedova did not play a single minute in this series. Yes, he did. He got four minutes in game four. He got four minutes, so so um, let's, let's, let's put the facts straight. <clears throat> um, only seven rebounds for... Tristan Thompson, only one defensive rebound. And that, that's not going to get it done for a guy who's one of the elite rebounders in this game. Uh, an overall frustrating game for Cleveland. Complete lack of urgency. It looked like it was all over, and it got to a point where the flip-floppers started flip-flopping. The people that were from locally here that were cheering for Cleveland, a few of them went on the Warriors' side. Just because, what the hell? You know what? I want to be on the side of the team that's going to win this series, so why not? Because I, I have nothing invested in it anyway, so what the hell? Well, damn it, I did have something invested in it because I like LeBron James. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of LeBron James. No shirt but and no shoes, none of that, but I'm a fan. Uh, I can't stand the Warriors, and you know that by now. <laughs> can't stand Steph Curry. I think, you, I think you know that by now. So I have a rooting interest, and I'd love to see the city of Cleveland finally get a championship again for the first time since 1964 with the Cleveland Browns in the pre-Super Bowl days. I thought it was even further back, and of course, in the baseball world, only one World Series championship. 1948, the year my mom was born. That's almost 70 years ago. Warren Spahn leading the way for those Cleveland Indians. So there you go. There you go, Cleveland. There you go. I was about, I, I, you know, I wanted to just boycott Game 5. And it was almost like shades of the Minnesota Wild years ago against Colorado. But of course, the stakes nearly not as high, not nearly as high. Way back in 03. Way back at 03. Oh, they're going to lose. They're down three games to one, and they're going into Colorado. It's game over. And then I just checked the final score. I didn't even watch it. And the Wild won. They won. Oh. Huh. Huh. Interesting. And yeah, and the momentum started after that. It just started. And game five. It was like, I don't even want to watch the game, and I didn't watch the beginning of it. And then it's like, you know, Cleveland's playing pretty well, and they're maintaining it. And LeBron and Kyrie, my goodness gracious, they're not missing anything. Or, well, they're missing some shots, but they're unbelievably aggressive. And they're scoring in every way possible. Kevin Love's out there. He played 32 minutes and did hardly anything. He only got three rebounds at 32 minutes. Where Tristan Thompson got 15 rebounds. LeBron with 16 in the game. 
LeBron and Kyrie turned up the gas, turned up the urgency, and you saw the LeBron James that beat the Boston Celtics when the Celtics were up three games to two in Boston in 2012. It was the birth of something. Indeed. 2012. It was the birth of what would become a championship season in 2012, and LeBron would break through, and he'd have that emotional look on his face, getting his first championship, and he did it with Miami. And at that moment, LeBron James became a true competitor in the postseason. Not just a flashy player in the regular season who's worth big bucks and had this big, strong body, but for whatever reason couldn't perform when the lights shone brightest. But that day, in 2012, LeBron James became that man. And then he did it again in clutch moments against the San Antonio Spurs. And no, he's not as clutch as Michael Jordan. Because nobody's as clutch as Michael Jordan. He's not as clutch as Magic Johnson because very few are as clutch as Magic Johnson or Larry Bird. But in this day and age, he's one of the more clutch players in the league now. For the most part. (laughs) For the most part. And at this moment, when it's his time, it's his time, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And Kyrie Irving made it his time as well. 17 of 24, you could say he was actually even better than LeBron James in this one. LeBron shot slightly over 50, Kyrie Kyrie shot way over 50. 17 of 24, 5 of 7 from three-point range. Kyrie Irving was just downright fantastic, and it was a gutty win. Again, that I mentioned uh, would uh, bring you back to the days of the, if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, about 13 years ago now. I can't believe it's how long ago, but my goodness. Oh, that's weird. Nice little comeback there, game five. But you got you got to win two more games, and that's almost impossible, right? But you're at home, though. Now Cleveland goes home. So what does that mean? That means there's a pretty good chance of a game seven after showing all that urgency. All that urgency in game number in game number five. But of course, Warriors fans will fight to the death. Probably will will go to their graves swearing that this only took place in Game Five because Draymond Green was suspended after LeBron James kind of walked over Draymond Green in a scuffle situation, and Draymond punched him in the sack. And then, of course, <laughs> and I'm saying that all casually, but that's about it. It's casual, I guess. But just punched him in the sack, and then <laughs> Charles Barkley said, "Hey, I did. He did the right thing. I would have done the same thing." That's the right, that's the only thing to do in that situation. Okay, well then Chuck gets suspended then for your, the Phoenix Suns then in 93 or whatever year it would have been. Go ahead, do it. I mean, go ahead, get suspended then. I mean, because the problem is he'd been doing it too much. This wasn't the first time, it wasn't the second time, but it was the last time. That's the key. It was the last time, wasn't it? Amazing as Draymond Green had been. He wouldn't be so amazing in game number six, would he? Cleveland Cavaliers head back home, and it was pretty much more of the same. Kyrie and LeBron showed up to play, and suddenly the Warriors were getting frustrated. Suddenly they weren't making the same shots they were making before, and they, and and Curry was getting snake bit with calls. Oh, gosh darn it. How does it feel, Curry, to finally get snake bit with calls when you've been getting calls pretty much since you got in the league, for the most part, but especially since you became this team, the Splash Champion Brothers, you know, the Champion Splash Brothers, this team, right, the last two years. You've been getting pretty much every call under the sun. This night, he wouldn't be doing that. And you saw something that you never saw before. You also saw Draymond Green play okay, but it wasn't really that special. Pretty quiet performance. Ten rebounds, that's not the worst thing you ever saw. Nice passing. Struggled a bit, not aggressive offensively. Curry and Clay both shot well under 50%. 
And they were and Clay was only thirty percent from three point range, three of ten. It's the old like you're shooting too many threes type of deal. Harrison Barnes, old Max Celery himself, Harrison Barnes, O of eight from the floor. Fifth, sixteen minutes of we're waiting on you, Harrison. We're waiting on you, or at least they were. I wasn't waiting on him, but they were over in over in uh, Oakland, soon to be San Francisco again, like it was in the old old days before I was born, I suppose, in the early seventies. But um, unless they were still there in the late 70s, then maybe it was when I was born, but <clears throat> anyhow, Cleveland turning up that urgency once again, stirring up that pot, beautiful thing, beautiful thing indeed, Kyrie Irving not nearly, uh, not quite as crazy in this one, but still was solid, was solid in the game, 23 points and all that, but then LeBron with 41, and this was definitely like the one in Boston, just so aggressive, so demanding, like we are going to win this game, and such great defense along the stretch. A guy who ultimately led the led the the series in basically every statistic that matters: assists, blocks, steals, four more steals, three blocks in this game. It's like you can't even believe he got that many. Clay Thompson with 16 rebounds again, unbelievable performance. Kevin Love very quiet, only 11 minutes, and it's like you sit Kevin Love. The Cavs win the game. Don't mess with it. Don't don't mess with it. Just leave it alone. Maybe start Richard Jefferson. You always think of Richard Jefferson as empty stats. And it was fairly empty, but he played good defense. I don't remember Richard Jefferson being a good defender, but whatever Tyron Lue is doing, whatever buttons he's pushing, he's pushing the right one, so why change it? Why mess with it? No point, right? No freaking point to mess with something as beautiful as this. Something that could get you some hardware. Something that could also get you some jewelry on that on that right ring finger. For those of you that hadn't had one yet, but maybe LeBron can add a, well, you know, put it on one of his other fingers. You know, maybe his first championship was on that ring finger, but I suppose this one would be on the ring finger because, without a doubt, this one meant the most. It is no doubt about it <laughs> because this was the place he could never win. This was the place LeBron James could never win. Last season, played his heart out, led in every statistic for the most part, thought he should get the MVP even if the Cavaliers lost the series. But ultimately, they weren't going to give it to him at the end of the day. And it ended up going to Iguodala and all that. Uh, and, and he was without Kyrie Irving, a player of that talent level who actually can play defense more than people want to believe. And he played very good defense on Curry the, during this magical run here at the end. Despite horrible defense early on, complete lack of urgency. Whatever they did, they found they found what they needed to find. They learned to be physical with this unphysical team. Oh, Draymond Green is physical, but Curry's not physical. And a guy with that type of build is not going to respond too well to contact if you're able to make contact on him. And the Cavaliers were able to do that. And they kept doing it. And calls kept going against Curry, including the one that followed him out when LeBron and Curry were going after the ball. Curry grabbed LeBron and pulled him, without a doubt. And then you saw something out of Steph Curry that told me the Cavaliers were finished. Or excuse me, the Warriors were finished. Even though they were heading home, there was a very good chance that the Warriors were going to lose this series. Because as Steph Curry finishes things here, <laughs> is fouled out. He starts swearing at the at the ref, starts throwing a tantrum, throws his mouth guard. Now, it wasn't as terrible as it looked. <laughs> or, I mean, it, it wasn't... I mean, excuse me. It didn't look as terrible as, as, as you'd think. It's like... You, you see it and you're like, well, I suppose that really wouldn't be. But then you think about it. Yeah, he actually threw his mouth guard, though. So it's like you figure, no, there's no way they would suspend him for that. Because he doesn't have past infractions. And it wasn't the worst thing you ever saw. 
but it was the strange but it was one of the strangest things you ever saw. For one, that mouth guard, yes, it comes out of his mouth all the time. Old rubber muncher became the throwing rubber muncher. He was he was he was slinging that that rubber out there. He was slinging it. <laughs> he slang it, man. <sighs> but it was like Mario. But it was shades of Mariano Rivera in Game Seven in Arizona, 2001 World Series. Mariano Rivera, the unbeatable closer of the New York Yankees, the dynasty of the late '90s and early 2000s. He gave up a hit at one point at that moment, but I mean, it wasn't game over or anything. But you saw this look on his face and his body language had this look of like. Like, I don't blip and believe this. Like, he was going to flip out. He was like, he was furious. He just was showing signs of something you never saw before. And what happened in the next play or the next hit or whatever? Boom. Base hit. (laughs) It was at Alex, I believe it was Tony Gonzalez. No, Alex Gonzalez and the Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series, which is the strangest thing you ever heard. Arizona Diamondbacks, world champions? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, And Mario Rivera lost. When the Yankees could have, were going to win Game Seven on the road in Arizona, you saw Kyrie Irving do that, do something crazy. I keep, why am I getting everybody mixed up? Steph Curry do something you never saw, you never expected him to do. But what was really telling for me, leading into the post-game press conferences, but even as Curry was exiting that floor, those little SOBs thought they had this series. Regardless, they thought, you know what? So what? We're just going to go home and celebrate in front of our home fans. There's nothing we want more. Go ahead and tell me I'm reading too much into it. But I saw it in their eyes. I saw it in their in their, in their body language. We're going home and, and we're going to win this game. There's just, you know, it's not going to be, you know, they, the Cleveland thinks Cleveland thinks they're going to win this series, but we'll be just fine. We're going to win. Go ahead and tell me you're going to make adjustments. And sure, you have every right to make them. Maybe you'll make the right ones and you'll close the Cavaliers out and beat them by 20 points. And trust me, there wasn't a moment that I wasn't nervous as hell. That was exactly what was going to happen. Even if it was adjustments or not, or Cleveland would just show up and freaking curl up like a raisin in the sun. And that's what I was afraid could happen. But it wasn't what happened. There were many chances in that seventh game (laughs) that it looked like it absolutely was going to happen. But it was funny, though, how Steve Kerr to go backwards just for a second, very quick second. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry all had this look like, yeah, so so what? We're going home and we're going to win anyway. They had this look like we're going to win anyway. Like Curry was just kind of laughing with the referee almost like, ha ha, whatever, whatever. That's that's bull, you know, that's BS. That's BS, but yeah, we're going to win anyway, whatever, you know. And then, of course, Curry's wife starts flipping out about uh, conspiracies against the, the Warriors, which... That's a joke. I mean, really? You really think the Warriors are getting inspired against? I mean, I, I guess so, right? <laughs> but here's one thing, ultimately. The Warriors, though playoff tested and though beaten, they had, they had won a Game 7 at home against the Thunder. This was an opposite situation. They had momentum, but in this case, the Cleveland Cavaliers had momentum. Also, that was the that was something called the Western Conference Finals, which are a huge series, and it's a big deal. But the Warriors had never been in a Game 7 of the NBA Finals. And until you're in the seventh game of the NBA Finals, you don't know what it's like. And I know I'm not that person. I'm not somebody that knows what it's like. But then again, as a viewer for many, many years, and I've seen many Game 7s of the NBA Finals, 
at age 36 going on 37. It's, it's, a, it's a different ball game, man. It's a whole different ball game. LeBron James was 1-0 in Game 7s in the NBA Finals. And yes, he was at home. <laughs> he was at home. And yes, it was after Ray Allen hit the, the miracle shot at the, you know, at the buzzer to send it into overtime, or at least right before that. It was a big shocker for the Spurs, but the Spurs still put up a pretty good fight, ultimately couldn't finish the job. I thought that was unfortunately heading that direction for the Cavaliers. Late in that second quarter and into halftime, the Warriors had an eight-point lead, or was it a seven-point lead? It didn't look good. It really didn't, and the Warriors then built a ten-point lead early on, but then all of a sudden, a guy that uh, was talked about, how he performs well at home, but on the road he sucks, and you can't count on him, and that's J.R. Smith. He hits two threes in a row, all of a sudden the, the Cavs are within two, and then they tie the game. And then it was a dog fight the rest of the way. And the Cavaliers played strong, solid defense. They had a huge third quarter, built the lead in the, in the into the fourth. Or actually, the Warriors had a slight lead going into the fourth, and it was so scary as hell. And the fourth quarter, it was a completely different ball game. The Warriors were scared. The Cavs were scared. And then it got to a point where it was literally like both of them were off their both of the both of the gladiators were off their horses. Their shields were gone. It was just a matter of. And they were both bleeding. It was just a matter of which one. Which one would finally penetrate through the armor? Which one was the one that was going to do it? And ultimately, the guy that did it was Kyrie Irving. <laughs> this was after several misses. Okay, well, and I got ahead of myself already, which is bullcrap on my part. But miss after miss after miss after miss. But then you saw, you saw it. I saw in my own eyes, and I was texting Vince Germano, and you're a witness to it texting him, even though it's Australia, thanks to Facebook Messenger. <laughs> um, Vince Germano of the Courtside Podcast, highly recommended. Timberwolves Explosion approved, by the way. And thankfully, Timberwolves Explosion is Courtside approved by the Courtside <laughs> Podcast. Hank McCoy, Vince Germano, the best basketball podcast I've ever heard. Um, but yes, it was just miss, 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 miss. But then you saw Curry throwing up shots that were bouncing, they, they were missing the rim, they, it missed the rim, I couldn't believe it, and they kept missing the same shots over and over, Clay Thompson and Curry, and then I started getting crazy, I started, my blood started boiling, because Cleveland was missing shots down the stretch too, but they weren't as ugly, they were just missing them, and I was like, wait a minute, do you see what I'm seeing here, the Warriors are done, stick the damn dagger in and get this over with before they finally make one, they're finished, and Kyrie Irving, right at that moment, it seemed like it seemed like on cue. He had the ball at the top of the key, moved over to the to the corner a little bit there. Did a little jab step, went up over Curry, and it was a defining moment in the history of Cleveland sports and in NBA history. In one of the most dramatic game sevens of all time, one of the most dramatic series of all time, despite the fact the games were not very close until this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't the prettiest basketball ever, but this was one for the ages. I mean, and even before, even before, and I don't know why I keep getting ahead of myself and screwing this up, but <laughs> LeBron James, that was the other moment that I thought the Warriors were done and the Cleveland was going to win the game. It looked like the Warriors were finally going to take the lead, a lead pass from Curry to Egudala. Was it his bad back or was it just LeBron James was that good and that freaking Hungry, that freaking determined to win this series, even if it killed him. He went up and blocked a shot that I could never believe. It was the defining play of the series. 
It was the defining play of the 2015-16 season. There was no play this year that will top what LeBron James did to Andre Iguodala at that moment, and that is when Kyrie Irving came down the court, as I screwed that up, and I apologize, uh, and hit the dagger on uh, Steph Curry. It was one of the most beautiful things you ever saw. Um, I, I just couldn't believe that. The block by LeBron James was one for the ages. I mean, you could watch it 100,000 times and just say, you know what? That was like Babe Ruth hitting a home run in Game 7 of the, of the World Series back in 1920-whatever, you know, whatever year it was. I mean, that's what that was right there. And no, LeBron James is not to basketball, the Babe Ruth is to baseball. I, you know, but he's, but he's damn close, though. He's, he's, he's close. He's closer than people want to admit. LeBron James in very rarefied air here with a triple-double. One of the few guys to do it in the seventh game. But it was still a one-possession game. And then you had a guy out there who was getting key rebounds against all those Warrior misses. A guy that Minnesota fans love to hate, love to trash. But again, they continue to forget that he helped us get Andrew Wiggins by going to Cleveland in that trade, by agreeing to get that done, working with us, working behind the scenes to get that done. And LeBron James, thank you as well for helping us get Andrew Wiggins. 14 rebounds for Kevin Love in a game that, uh, you know, he, he he took shots and was missing key shots, and it was heartbreaking. It looked like he was going to help cost the Cavs a series, but he was getting those big rebounds ultimately, and he stopped shooting the ball. And then the unthinkable happened. After, uh, after Kyrie Irving put the Cavs up by three, and it looked like they were going to win this damn thing, and it was just the most crazy thing you ever saw, Kevin Love played good defense on Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, he actually did. It was the most unthinkable thing you ever saw, but he did it. And <laughs> Curry missed the shot. Next thing you know, the Cavaliers are on a little bit of a fast break. Irving over to LeBron. It was literally the moment as uh, Raymond Green, who couldn't miss earlier in the game, 32 points ultimately, the most unbelievable series. Uh, the almost unbelievable seventh game for Draymond Green. He, I mean, he, he, he might have deserved MVP if the, Cavalier, if the Warriors won it all, ultimately. But um, it was almost as if LeBron James was going up with a sword in his hand <laughs> against a, a three-headed dragon. Literally, a three-headed dragon, a massive dragon that would destroy the world if, if nobody stopped him at the, la- at the last second here. It was as if Kyrie Irving was holding this shining sword and flung it in the air to LeBron, <laughs> and he jabbed that thing into the skull of that dragon. And no, he did not make the shot because he was fouled so hard by Draymond Green. But it put the Cavaliers up by two. That was the end. It was by two possessions, pardon me. As he did make, he did manage to make one out of the two free throws after he was pretty badly injured on his wrist there after the fall. It was literally like he jabbed that sword into the skull of a three-headed dragon at that moment. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> a dragon that was unbeatable until that moment. Until Kyrie Irving did the did a very massive injury on that dragon. <laughs> he, he then flipped the sword over to LeBron. That Cavalier sword through the dragon's skull. And that was it. It was over. As the, as the Warriors just kind of came down the court. Couldn't make a shot. Rebound and missed again. And there you go. Cavaliers win. And yes, this was melodramatic. This was a bit much for you. Maybe you didn't want to hear it. But this was a fun series for me. And it was a remarkable comeback. And ultimately, I will continue to say... It's, it's funny. 
Imagine if the Warriors ended up winning that game. I think Draymond Green, out of all things, despite the stupid <laughs> suspension, deserved the most valuable player of the series because of how well he played in that seventh game. I mean, he carried that Warriors team in that seventh game. He just he willed the Warriors to victory nearly in that one. He hitting all those three-pointers and getting all those rebounds, even nine assists in the game. Mr. Triple doubled by one. One. He actually he was just unbelievable in the game. Curry and Thompson were not as good, ultimately. For back-to-back seasons, Steph Curry would not have been MVP even if the Warriors won. And what does that tell you as well? A guy looked on as like the face of the NBA, and he's not even the NBA MVP of the finals when, when the team gets there. It also tells you the Warriors have a good team and a good mix of players. And you know what? All respect to them in that area for having guys that step up. When one guy's down, somebody else steps up. And you know what? Good, good on them. They survived some injuries, uh, injury, early injury from Curry in the playoffs to get to the finals and all that. And I'll respect to them in that area. But it also does tell you that his performance, not up to par in the NBA Finals in back-to-back seasons. And yes, he was banged up. But I'm sure LeBron was banged up too. <laughs> I'm sure he was. Multiple times. But that also tells Curry, maybe, maybe, maybe you need to bulk up a little bit. Maybe you need to sacrifice the shooting percentage by a slight bit just to bulk up a little bit so you stay, so you stay around longer. Allen Iverson, who didn't stand around longer because of that, didn't listen to Charles Barkley's advice on that one. With all of this said, LeBron James, to me, which one should I go with first? Um, well, since LeBron won the championship for Cleveland and finally got it for them for the first time in six, you know 52 years, I'll go with the Warriors first. Steph Curry for sure will be in the Hall of Fame, yes. I think Klay Thompson will be a candidate for the Hall of Fame. Very likely will get in at some point. But if Dennis Rodman can get in the Hall of Fame, and I agree with it. If if I had a vote, I would say yes for Dennis Rodman. But I will say, as much as I don't like the chitter-chatter, I don't like the dirty play, but I didn't like necessarily Rodman's dirty play either. But I think Draymond Green, before all said and done, is a Hall of Famer in the NBA. Draymond Green will be a Hall of Famer as a second-round pick Further proof to the Darren Doogie Wolfsons out there that say second-round picks are worthless. He said it so many times. Package them and move up in the first round. Dude, there have been a lot of good second-round picks out there. Yes, there's a lot of duds, but there's a lot of good ones too. There's gems. And they're not all gems, but they do happen. And Draymond Green is one of them. He will be a Hall of Famer. That is my big take there. But I have one more big take. One more. This series and this finish... The way this man willed this team to a championship, and yes, he was helped. Because he had to be helped, because Michael Jordan was helped the whole time. Scottie Pippen wasn't sitting on the sidelines with a broken with a broken uh, leg. Scottie Pippen was standing there every game Michael Jordan played, and he is absolutely the greatest player that ever lived. No questions asked, in my opinion. But with all this said, LeBron James, to me, has passed Larry Bird. He has passed him. Three championships, Larry Bird has three championships. LeBron James is that good. He is officially in my book a top five NBA player in the in NBA history. And he will absolutely finish as a top five NBA player when his career is over. That doesn't mean he's one, two, or even three, but he sure as heck is at minimum fifth. He's fifth. He's at minimum the fifth best player that ever lived in this league. And there you go. Congratulations LeBron James on achieving that. He was not a top five player until this series happened. For the first time in NBA history, a team has come back from three games to one down, and that is the main story, the main theme of everything. Like, wow, it's the first time it's ever happened. It's amazing. 
it's something to do with momentum, but it's also a man willing his team to a championship and a, and a great and greatness and just a desire and love of this game and a desire to bring a championship to the place he couldn't do it before. And also a way to take it to the Miami Heat for telling him you're not going to win in Cleveland. It doesn't matter, ultimately. That's what they were selling him, and he stuck it to them, and he brought Cleveland a championship, and he got his third championship. Bada bing, bada boom. You're a top five player in NBA history. LeBron James, congratulations. Now, this was a fun segment to talk about, because I, and I really enjoyed the way this thing happened. But one final moment here, one final note. Game seven of the NBA Finals on the road is one of the most impossible things to do. Game seven of the World Series is one of the most impossible things to accomplish. In hockey, it happens more often just for whatever reason. Hockey's a little bit more, oh, you know, got a good bounce of the puck, you know, that type of thing. But uh, winning but with the fans, like literally right in your face in the seventh game like that, you know, you, you cannot take that lightly. To me, this was, a, this was as impressive as uh, American Pharaoh winning the Triple Crown in 2015. Because the last Triple Crown winner was 1978, and the last team to win the NBA Finals on the road in Game 7 was the Washington Bullets in 1978. And yes, I will maintain the Washington Bullets, I will maintain this fact, just look it up, is a train, not a bullet from a gun. It is a train, just like the silver bullet in the Coors Light commercials. And I hate Coors Light, it sucks. I go a little bit higher quality with the craft beers. Doggone it. <laughs> but no, uh, that's what a bullet is. It's a train. So, uh, yeah, but that's the last team to do it, 1978, and the Cavaliers were able to accomplish it. That is a triple crown winner right there. And they did win the triple crown. The Kentucky Derby was game five, the uh, Preakness was game six, and the hardest of all, the Belmont, was game seven, and they did it. Triple crown, LeBron James. There you go. All right, we'll be back to the fan interaction. Let's hear your guys' MVP conversation right after this. How's it going, Joey? Uh, I'm still a bit crook, so I'm sorry if I cough, sneeze, or sound a bit funny here. But yeah, we'll see how I go. Um, I'll try not to ramble too much, so I'll get straight into it. For MVP, I'll try to be a bit different and go Rubio. Cat uh, and Wiggins obviously have all the talent in the world, and they're the best individuals on the team, but you can see that they're definitely not as good when Rubio is not there. Um, you can say the same for both those other players, but... I don't know, I just feel like that he brings a whole lot more to the team in terms of them playing as a team than they would. So, yeah, that's why I've gone with him. Um, obviously, when Rubio's not there, we don't really have a backup point guard either. Um, Zach Levine, he's not a point guard for anyone who thinks he is. Um, you can see that from how much better he plays at the shooting guard. So, yeah, with Rubio... Um, I don't know, he just leads the defense like really well from the front. Um, the whole season, he's just easily the best player on defense, in my opinion. Um, you could say Wiggins, but I don't know. Rubio just seemed more consistent on that end, but I know, it's up for argument, I guess. Um, he's a bit prone to gambling, but the majority of the time, I think it's educated enough to warrant the risk. Um, he has his moments when it comes to scoring, which is a bit annoying. The inconsistency with his jump shot. Uh, 
and one of the most frustrating things to, when you're a Rubio fan. But yeah, when his shooting coach is around, you can tell that he's a lot better. But I don't know. There's not a whole lot that we can do to keep him around 24/7. Um, hopefully, he can just sort it out on his own. Obviously, we've got Chris Dunn now, so he might not be back for too much longer. But I hope he stays around. Um, the jump shot isn't everything, though. Uh, when he's on the court, he's just finding everyone looks easy looks. Um, you could say Rubio's attributing to a lot of points in terms of when he's getting players the ball. So his assists and hockey assists, they'll be a big reason that players are scoring as well as they do. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see Rubio stay around and teach Dunn, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. But if he does, I'll be a happy man, and the day he's traded, I'll be one of the saddest men you'll see around. Um, yeah, he just brings so much on and off the court. But yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Biggest disappointment this season would probably have to be all the close losses, which you could sort of say is just the bench not playing well at all. Um... I was expecting a lot out of players like Shabazz Muhammad. Um, I thought he was good enough to be a starter, but I got proven wrong a wee bit there. Uh, quite a lot, actually. <laughs> um, I thought being a go-to scorer in the second unit, he would absolutely thrive in that, but he just seemed to get a bit greedy, and all, he was just going to the hole. Like It's good to be aggressive, but when you've got three men on you sort of thing, it's just a bit... Um, no, it's too much. Um, yeah. Bielitsa, uh, I thought he was going to be solid, but... He just fell off a cliff like Alexei Shved did whenever he was here. What was that, three years ago now? Um, he came right in the last 10 games, but yeah, hopefully we see a bit more out of Bielitz next season if he's still around. Um, it's hard to be a good bench unit as well when your point guard's not one of the greatest players. Not re- like Tyce Jones, I like him, but he needs a lot more time before he's going to be like anything in the league, really. That's just my opinion, but yeah, I'd like oh, we if we have Dunn coming off the bench, or even if Rubio's on the bench, that unit's going to be a lot more like they're going to have a lot better chances at scoring. Just having someone to tell them where to be and everything like that. Uh, biggest surprise for me was how incredible Carl Anthony Towns was. Um, what an unbelievable rookie season he had on the court. He was awesome, but his personality off the court just makes him one of the, my favorite players in the league. Um, I was all for drafting him, so I'm grateful that Flip took him with the pick. And speaking of Flip, um, that was one of the biggest losses to the Timberwolves that will ever happen, I think. Um, Yeah, he was just... (laughs) Yeah, I really hope he's just happy with the way the team's going and everything. And Yeah, it's hard to... um, (laughs) <laughs> Shit uh, It's hard not to think of all the great stuff he did for the team And um, whenever the Wolves are brought up It's just straight to thinking about Flip So yeah, I hope he's resting easy um, Sorry, this is way too long Just a lot to say uh, Yeah, thanks for another great season of Timbal's Explosion, Joey I uh, loved getting to go on the ride with you And yeah, cheers mate And I thank you so much for that call, Tanae. That is Tanae Brown out of New Zealand there. That was the voice you heard. And don't worry about it being long. It's the state of the Timberwolves, so it's basically like saying your piece. So that was really cool. That's the definition of an audio submission, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you that uh, would like to call into the show, 209-736-7877. 
209-736-7877. Or for those of you overseas, like Tanae Brown over there in New Zealand, you can create an audio submission with your smartphone. Just use the free voice recorder that's on every smartphone on the planet. Uh, just talk for, well, you know, one to two minutes, maybe three, whatever. But like shows like this, off season, they could probably be as long as you want, really. As long as it's like, maybe we'll keep it like five minutes then. <laughs> but if it's one, two minutes, that's fine too. But you get the idea. So today had about a five-minute call or so, five, six-minute call, and that's fine. Plus, he does such a good job, and he's one of the we, he, he's he's a gold card member when it comes to Timberwolves explosion. So I mean, I can't complain about how long the call is. I, no way, it's absolutely fantastic. Ricky Rubio, the MVP, is there. Hmm. No, I'm kidding. It's okay. Uh, I, I don't disagree in terms of his value. Uh, it, like when he's out, it's not good. Um, Britt Robson posted, like, the statistics on Twitter. The one thing that annoys me a little bit about him posting that, it's like how different it was when Rubio's out. Yeah, because the backup point guards were, like, Tyus Jones or Zach Levine or Andre Miller, who almost never got to play for whatever reason. And Andre Miller's numbers might have been slightly better, but, like, the whole plus-minus of the team and all that other stuff. I mean, you're comparing to Tyus Jones and Zach Levine, who Zach Levine is out of position. Tyus Jones, who's about as raw as the steak in the in the in the in the grocery store right now. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're not really comparing Rubio to much. That's really not saying much. Britt Robson, respect your basketball acumen, but that one, I, I don't know. I mean, mm, I I don't know. I'm not jumping on that bandwagon or that one too much. But Rubio's value sure is good. It's just that when's the last time we had a good backup point guard on this team? I mean, Berea was Mr. Hero Ball. I couldn't stand him. Luke Ridnar, I'm, I I don't know. Everybody likes him in this town. I'm sure he's the nicest guy ever, and he's a good Christian and everything. That's really cool. You're never going to get a complaint from me about that part. But <laughs> but I don't know. His play on the court, you know, it's like people in this town act like you couldn't criticize him, and that kind of got on my nerves too. But okay, I better cut this out. Uh, Rubio as the MVP, I mean, yeah, I can understand your reasoning for sure because it's like, you know, it's like losing a limb. I mean, your body's screwed when it comes to Rubio being out and, of course, the backup. So it's like kind of a seesaw argument, I suppose, with that one. Biggest disappointment, yeah, the bench. I mean, that's a huge thing, and that's what Tom Thibodeau is talking about. The biggest uh, need for the team in general is the bench. I mean, you got you got some lacking there. You have some strong guys, like you said, Shabazz Muhammad, but at the same time, yeah, kind of greedy. He's kind of not the highest basketball IQ you ever saw, but at least he's a hard worker and a talented son of a gun, too. A little bit crazy sometimes, not the smartest guy you ever saw, but a valued player. Again, though, don't be too surprised if he's traded at some point. But And, and then there's continued talk that Jimmy Butler, the trade thing, may still pick up for... for uh, Chris Dunn in the offseason, I got, you know, that that would really piss me off, especially just watch Dunn blow up and become a great player somewhere. That would really, really, really piss me off because I, I think Jimmy Butler has reached his ceiling. How about that for a hot take on this show? Jimmy Butler has reached his ceiling. It's like to all, to all, the, to all the Butler rubes out there, put that in your pipe and smoke it, you know? So that's just how I feel on that one. Uh, biggest surprise was a Carl Anthony Towns mostly. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like his personality and such. Yeah, I, I didn't know his personality was that good either. I mean, that's a good call. That's very interesting. What an amazing personality, huh? It's like David Robinson plus with his personality. Because David Robinson was a very professional, very nice, again, Christian guy and everything. Towns is like, my goodness, he's one of the nicest guys you ever met. Not that I have met him or anything, but you could tell he would be if you did meet him. Absolutely fantastic and 
My God, his competitive ability has just got you really excited. Very famous tweet after watching LeBron James and co. win the championship. Yes, I talked way too much about the Cavaliers in the second segment. <laughs> because it was, uh, yeah, okay, you get the idea. I, I defended my position enough already on that one. Um, but how he was saying, I, I want that feeling. And, yeah, I mean, I, I will literally not stop until I get that feeling. Absolutely, man. How can you not be excited about that guy leading your franchise for the next several years? Absolutely spectacular. Hope there isn't too much background sound. I got a fan in the background here trying to stay alive, you know, so I don't keel over here while recording. It's not even that hot outside, but this place is a freaking pressure cooker, and it drives me nuts. So just giving you a little little heads up on that one for those of you that are little that are audio terrorists out there. Trust me, I care about good audio, but I also care about my, my, my well-being as well. I care about good audio more than some of you think. I just don't have a multi-million dollar studio in some college somewhere that these kids probably didn't pay a penny for. They just happened to be able to use it once in a while. That's all. Good for them, though. Good for them. Um, that was a fantastic, fantastic audio submission. And, and you know what? All you out there are welcome to do the same thing. Vince Germano, Hank McCoy. Yeah, don't be afraid to do that. In fact, I encourage it absolutely. And today, keep them coming. You know, God bless you. And yeah, it'd be cool to have you on board once again. And, and you're very much, you're very, very welcome for doing the show. It is absolutely absolutely my pleasure. I don't ever want to stop doing this show. It's kind of like Carol Anthony Towns, what he said about uh, I, I won't stop until I get that feeling. <laughs> yep, I won't stop doing this show, period. So it's kind of like that type of deal. That type of love and competitiveness as well to all the weeds out there that try to say they're better than this show. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think so. That's not cockiness. It's fact. Uh, Joseph Phillips says we continue from where we left off. Well, actually, let's go to Twitter first, just to kind of get that out of the way, so I don't forget. At, because it's kind of lesser. I, I didn't tweet much lately, which is kind of strange. Sometimes I tweet more than I go on Facebook, but Facebook is really active since the last show, and understandably, it's the state of the Timberwolves. At Wolves Explosion, go there and give it a follow, and those of you that have, thank you very much, as I do see Minnesota people and Wolves fans and stuff, uh, Aussie Wolves and stuff following. Really appreciate it. At T-Wolves Den, that's kind of cool. Um, thank you for the follow, and others out there, Super fan MN, that's one, and there was another one in here somewhere, Zzz, higher up, I probably shouldn't have scrolled up too far yet, but it is what it is, uh, I don't see him, we'll come back to that maybe at some point, Vince and Tanae retweeting the last episode, thank you guys so very much, keep, keep, keep doing that if you can, I really appreciate it, and I never, ever take that for granted, uh, never, ever, um, Phil, well, I'll leave that alone, one guy was telling me how Indy Eby was the worst draft pick ever. Phil Mackey's point was when he was talking about Marbury being the worst pick ever, it's not because he was a bust. It's because of what what took place. He, he destroyed the franchise, man. In a lot of ways, you had all this promise, all this hope, and you had a franchise shooting guard who went on to have a Hall of Fame career and had never officially announced his retirement, but he's never coming back. That's Ray Allen. You had him already, and he wasn't going to walk away on the Wolves. You trade him for Marbury, who was more exciting than Ray Allen, and it was the most exciting moment ever for all of us. But then the bastard wanted to go back home to New York and screwed us all. And that's basically what took place there. And plus, he's a cellist of Garnett. Very, very cute, very quaint there. Uh, where are we? Uh, Tanae Brown. Here we go, because there's at least one inquiry here. He says, seeing, and it's at Tanae Wilson Bro there. He says, uh, seeing people saying stuff about trading for Bogey, I'm 100% against that. Your thoughts? I'm 100% against it as well, because if you're talking about Carl Anthony Towns and his personality and his team play and his, his desire and all that, he's just a good influence on this on this franchise. I think Boogie is 110% the opposite. And, you know, I would say that, I would tweet out probably the same thing 
he did if we traded for Boogie, especially if Carl Anthony Towns was traded, but even if he wasn't, I would say, God, give me the strength, or Lord, give me the strength. Like, you just can't believe what just happened here. Was one of the funniest tweets we ever saw. Marcus, the, Marcus, the forecaster, showed me it as it happened, and it was one of the funniest things ever. Man, I, I can't wait to have Marcus on again, and hopefully we can get him on for the <clears throat> the free agency show again. That one will be less time-sensitive and a little more, you know, a little more laid-back type of dealy which is probably a better fit for him. That way we don't cut each other off in that second segment. I, I had to get that off my chest in the second segment, so it <laughs> kind of had to get things going there. For Facebook, it is facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. That's simple. Go there, click like, and rock and roll. Uh, Timberwolves Explosion episode 73 was the most recent episode. And Joseph Phillips, also out of Australia, says, Thanks for continuing the podcast over the break, and it's absolutely my pleasure Joe Phillips. Absolutely my pleasure. Uh, pleasure. I couldn't tell you a single time that I was like, man, I don't feel like recording Timberwolves Explosion right now. It's just sometimes I'm just too tired or too busy. That's the only reason I ever get behind with this show. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Uh, and, I, and I love how the ESPN app, you know, it, it releases a story, breaking news, and it says share on Facebook. That's an option. And then you share it, and all it is is just saying, basically, come download our app. Oh, thanks, ESPN. Really, thank you for allowing me to share your... Uh, your 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 the the story instead it's just sharing like please come download our app that's a nice little scam there more death in the nba unbelievable former timberwolves sean rooks who was here for a couple of years we traded a, a protected pick to the dallas mavericks way back in the early 90s to get sean rooks on the roster he has been the uh, philadelphia assistant most recently he was interviewing for the new york knicks job and he basically keeled over in a restaurant uh no details exactly what it was, but believed to be a heart attack. He's dead at 46. Unbelievable. So, Sean Rooks, backup center in the NBA, who's supposed to have a little more promise, but you know what? I mean, it's not about that. It's more of uh, what took place here at this point. Um, we will give Sean Rooks a moment of silence. God bless Sean Rooks and his family in that one. Yeah, remember the whole uh, remember the whole Jimmy Butler trade and the demands by the Chicago Bulls. Well, to whom they were talking about they they want Andrew Wiggins, and I basically simply wrote to whom it may concern. I'm not trading Wiggins, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, we got some responses here. Tanae Brown says anyone who wants to trade Wiggins, they're a fool, and I agree. Hank McCoy of the Courtside Podcast, the Alpha Dog, there says. It would be the biggest mistake ever for the Wolves and send the franchise backwards. Without a doubt, he says, hashtag bleep Butler. Bleep Butler, yep. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is pretty entertaining. Uh, I typed in, it's time for, well, should I save this and come back to it? No, let, let's get to it now. It's because watch me blow it and miss it. Uh, he said, uh, it's time for say, the Timberwolves, listing all your MVP and everything like uh, Tanae did. And he also mentioned Flip Sounders at the end. You could tell he got a little broken up a bit there. Yeah, once you get sad and you start talking about what took place, it's like you're a lost for words. And I, I noticed the same thing happened to, to Tanae early on. Um, Tanae was saying how he'd get something recorded, and yep, and he felt better. I mean, I, I didn't notice he wasn't feeling good, so that's cool. Did a great job with that one. Hank and Tanae both were trying to kind of figure out how, when I was going to record the show for a time there. Randy Santana says, MVP Wiggins, pure consistency, scoring and defending, just edging towns. Wait one more year, son. <laughs> Biggest disappointment, Deshaun Fritz. Wasted far too many minutes on a, on a uh, not-so-good guy that looked more accustomed to a crack house on the set of The Wire. Wow. <laughs> 
Wow, biggest surprise, Zach Levine has grown on has grown in leaps and bounds as a starter at the two when Rubio was injured at times. He showed great ability to run the offense while putting up big scoring numbers. Do not trade this kid for Jimmy Butler. P.S. Cavs winning the championship was fantastic. Silent LeBron, LeBron haters and expose the cocky, soft backcourt of the Warriors. You know what? That's like gold star material right there. I mean, absolutely fantastic. I couldn't agree more on that on the P.S. part. Zach Levine on running the offense. I mean, he had moments and he's really good in transition, but to me, he's certainly not a point guard ultimately, but he did all right out there. He, he did all right, ultimately. Um, now, I know there's more. Where am I going? There's a lot more, actually. I better get caught up on that really quick here, ultimately. So, where was Hank's post here and others? Vince Germano, Tanay said he's been sick. Sorry, I wait, blah, blah, blah. Where did it all go? I know there's much. Oh, here we go. Yep, here we go. Vince did all this. Vince, jumping on board now. Vince Germano, also on the Courtside Podcast. He said, I'm going to go with a co-MVP here. But I was just really impressed with Towns and Wiggins' growth as a player. My biggest disappointment has to go to Rubio. Now, as you know, I'm a big fan of his. But uh, to, again, not turn up with a consistent job shot after hearing yet again, he's worked on it. It was disappointing. Yeah, that was annoying. Because it's just, it's, every time it looks like it's getting better, and here we go, wow, that looked kind of good. And then, like, a week later, it's just same old story. Like, missing easy shots. Drives you crazy. Uh, he did have that nice game winner against Oklahoma, though. But, yeah. I mean, it's about time. Biggest surprise is actually getting Coach Thibbs. Don't get me wrong, but the track record of Glenn's coach hiring hasn't been great. But this one was right on the money. Best hiring since Flip. Way back before your first playoff run. Cheers, Joey. And yeah, Flip, bringing in Flip at the time, yeah, it wasn't even close. I mean, Flip Saunders versus the Bill Blairs, the Jimmy Rogers, uh, Sidney Lowe's and such. Those guys were all assistant coaches, and that's about it, including including the legendary Bill Musselman. More of a college coach or an assistant coach in the NBA, not a head coach, but at least he brought a little bit of uh, aggressiveness to the team, a little bit of competitiveness more than uh, some of the other coaches did. Hank McCoy was saying he's almost got his list together, and Vince telling him, hurry up, Plonker. And it gets very entertaining, this conversation between the guys. I'm going to try to get to as much of it as I can. Hank McCoy says, okay, MVP, I have to go with Carl Anthony Towns. Forget rookie of the year. This guy was the most consistent player on the roster all season long, and I do agree with that. He was. Wiggins had a pretty slow start considering how he left the season before, but eventually heated up, and that's exactly how I assessed it myself in the first segment. So that sounds very familiar there. Yep. <laughs> Hank McCoy continuing saying, think about how much better Cat is going to be with the year under his belt. Won't be long before we start hearing MVP chants. Plus, he did all all his work without having a point guard to kick it out. Who can hit an open shot? Hmm. Yeah. Biggest disappointment was I have to go with Coach Sam Mitchell, though he took the reins at a difficult time with the franchise rest in peace flip. His rotations absolutely suck. Just ask the Shabazz. Honorable mention, Rubio's crooked jump shot. Biggest surprise, I have to say, is the whole team and franchise, though I found Coach Mitchell's rotation head-scratching. Just the way this young team dealt with the passing of Flip is one of is one fans shouldn't overlook when looking back on the season. No one would have blamed this squad to folding this year. 
but for the most part, they turned up and completed every game. Well, maybe not every game. Some of those clip that Clipper game was. I mean, there are a couple of crappy runs here and there, but I mean, still, you can't blame them. Um, he says, I'm sure a lot of the young core bonded over the loss, and very, very true, very. Very true indeed. And this is actually the biggest disappointment has to go to Ricky Rubio for his comments at the end of the season that he will leave the franchise if the Wolves don't make the playoffs next season. How very Kevin Love of you, Ricky Rubio. I can just hear Vince saying it like that too. How very Kevin Love of you, Ricky Rubio. That's pretty much about how Hank would say it, minus the Australian accent. <laughs> says after the pick at number five in this year's draft, you'll be lucky. You'll be lucky. Yeah, should I continue how he says it? Uh, after the pick. At number five in this year's draft, you'll be lucky to still be on the roster by All-Star Weekend. Woo, I love it. Randy said, Dan, it says, those words were lost in transition from a Spanish interpreter from uh, within unrefined lisp. Wow, yes, it looks like Rubio will be shipped on. And that will be sad to see, as I love the passion and true point guard play of Rubio. But the future is really bright with Dunn. It, it is. I, I think it's extremely bright with Dunn. And before I jump back into the uh, extensive conversation here, because this is kind of like the theme of the show, so it's like you kind of want to get to everybody's conversation in this one, um, is I wouldn't be pissed off with Rubio coming back at all. For some of the people that want to get rid of him and some of the people that don't want to get rid of him, it's like, sure, you... I have no problem with Dunn backing up Rubio to start things off and then just kind of see his progress and such. And then if Dunn blows up and he's a he's a legitimate starter, well, there you go. You hope Rubio's value doesn't drop too much. At the end of the day, he kind of is who he is, regardless. I, I think Rubio is who he is. Just like Jimmy Butler has hit his ceiling, I think Rubio may have as well. Maybe there's still, there's still a chance to improve with the jump shot, but... I, I don't know. We're still waiting on that. Um, but overall, I think Rubio's close to his ceiling. But at the same time, there's many teams out there that have pretty much no point guard. And the Wolves were one of them in the past before Rubio came. So there are teams out there that might be very, very hungry to ha- to add Ricky Rubio to the roster. So you still may be able to get something in return, obviously. And you have to match the $55 million type of contract right there. So you get the idea. I mean, money can't just go one way or the other. Of course, there's trade exceptions and salary cap type of deal, but I don't think you want to just dump Rubio for cash space, do you? I don't know. I, I hope it isn't that dire in getting rid of Rubio. Hank continues saying, like, yeah, right. You know, he say Rubio didn't exactly come out, come out and defend himself. I don't buy it. He's been pretty vocal about other players, Caleb, in the past with media. I don't doubt he said it. I actually like that he doesn't hold his tongue and speaks his mind, but he hasn't done anything in the league yet, and you should show up last season with that broken arse jump shot. Mm-hmm. Look at ya. Oh, I love how he said that. Look at ya. Yep. Very interesting conversation back and forth here. It can, can you just bounce around? Um, yeah, I mean, Rubio hasn't done enough to get too excited, no. And it pissed a lot of people off with Kevin Love. I mean, not a single... Wolves fan on any of the boards out there talks about Kevin Love as one of their favorite Timberwolves, which is kind of funny considering he had a pretty pretty good run with the Wolves for a, for a time there. But it's amazing how quickly we tend to forget that when the when the guy asks to leave. It's interesting. Uh, Hank continuing saying Dunn reminds me of Stefan Marbury, but with his head screwed on properly, pairing him with Coach Thibs is going to equal playoffs sooner than later. <sighs> interesting thought there. Um. I mean, yeah, Rubio wasn't necessarily known for a spectacular jump shot. He was more known for attacking the basket and great ball handling and passing. 
but eventually his his offense did, uh, continued to develop. I guess with Rubio, his defense was worse though. So it's like you kind of push the piece things together. I think they're a bit different in a way. Dunn reminds me more of Wade, but as a true point guard, I suppose, like a more point guardish version of Wade. I'll continue with that though. Renick Satana says, "I hope you're right, Mr. McCoy. If nothing else, but for the mental health of Joey Wijen, yes, yes, yeah, that would help me a lot." He says, "Yeah, sometimes I think he needs a hug." Ooh boy, sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Hank says, oh, bugger off, McCoy. And then they continue conversation back and forth. No, you bugger off, clown. It's kind of funny. Oh, these guys. It gets interesting. Vince uh, says, see see all an NBA player has to do is fart. And McCoy holds a personal grudge against him. Wow. You fart. And then Hank says, you fart in your mouth consistently. And I don't hold a grudge against you. Oh, my. You guys are getting interesting there. (laughs) Oh, my. That was interesting. I was... Uh, let's see, we leave off with that. And I was asking people, I want I want everyone to remember who did I pick in the season preview to win the championship. And I only got one response, and it's Vince Germano saying I picked the Lakers to win the championship. Hmm. <laughs> I suppose Cleveland does wear gold jerseys sometimes, so maybe we're getting them mixed up with the Lakers. That's about the only reason I might have done that. <laughs> Uh, just kind of a post there. Nothing really to say on my part. I didn't really, it was just kind of talking about the draft there. That was uh, before it happened. Um, I posted a Dunn Brothers picture because I was so excited about Chris Dunn being um, acquired. Hank says, goodbye, Rubio. This is what happens when you don't have a jump shot in the NBA. And that's the end of my post. Let's get to visitor posts if I can find them. Hmm. This is where it gets confusing because it's like different... As I use different types of technologies. That's, uh, here we go. Where is everything? Oh, uh, boy. These go back a little, little ways here. We go back to early June. Hank says, or Vince says, Wolves to target Joe Kim Noah. I get it, but I personally wouldn't make that signing. What are your thoughts, mate? And I was pretty much kind of thinking... I wouldn't make it either. I mean, he's kind of old, injury-prone, would be expensive, and even the Wizards at one point were talking about that he would get a max salary. I think that's too much, ultimately. It continues there, and Hank also saying, what did I tell you, would be a great addition to the team. Thoughts, and boy, these guys really like to go the opposite direction, don't they? TJ Hollis says, why? They've already got Gang, Pekovic, and Cat. I wouldn't include Pekovic, though. <laughs> Unless they move Gang, which would be a stupid move, or Peck again, stupid move. Moving Peck could be a stupid move. I don't know about that. Uh, where the hell are they going to find enough minutes to warrant signing Noah as well? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I don't think the Wolves are going to get Noah. But who knows? And Hank, I agree with this part where he says Peck is done. Play him alongside Cat. That would change them instantly into a defensive powerhouse. I really like Yang. But if you can upgrade to an all-star at the position, it's a no-brainer. Hmm. Rick Jones says, yup, think of the point guard you could get to replace Rubio by training Packer Gang. Mm, tasty future for the Wolves. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yup. Randy Santana says, congratulations to Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers on becoming the second consecutive Timberwolves Francis player to leave Minnesota and win an NBA championship. Pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much what took place. Uh, Al Jefferson wasn't quite a franchise player. We were hoping he would be. He went to Utah and then Charlotte, Bobcats, slash Hornets, and there you go. Vince was talking, oh yeah, and I didn't even talk about this because it kind of dried up. Uh, he was saying all oh, the Timberwolves were interested in training for Kenneth Fareed. 
you know, it would have been interesting, kind of back and forth. I kind of like him, but I don't know. He had a kind of a drop-off. The hope was you're buying low because he had a not-so-good season last year with Denver. But that's where things go from there. Hank was posting two more posts here, and, and then we can wrap up the show. Hank says, oh, that's what, ha- <clears throat> that's what happened to the deal where we were talking about Joey. Bulls only wanted the pick and Levine. That's an absolute steal for the Wolves to get Butler. Do you really think Dunn and Levine, though, is a steal for Butler? I don't know. Uh, he says, I love the pick of Chris Dunn, and I know you do too. Even if Rubio makes it to the start of the season, I don't think he makes it to the All-Star weekend before being traded. What I did what I did want to talk about, though, was that we was what we discussed when uh, I thought the deal for Butler had gone through. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Hank was reporting. I was saying how there's a report out there that the deal was done. I uh, says, young teams can only draft so many rookies before they are happy with the talent levels. And then you for, you have to get to the vets that can help make the jump to the playoffs. For me, this deal would have done that, but I like the pick because now you can move Rubio's crooked jump shot. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, I didn't, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to, right now, I, I don't want to trade Chris Dunn. I'd like to see what he can bring and if he really is a legitimate, like, star type of point guard with a future for the Wolves. Levine, I know most of the people in this town are like offended at the thought of losing Levine. Butler does have an injury through uh injury prone pass and I wonder if he would stunt uh, I do wonder if he would stunt Wiggins. Vince doesn't seem to think so. He thinks it would actually help Wiggins. Maybe it would make the defense more honest and such. That's the hope there, ultimately. Hag also saying, here we go to wrap this up, says rest in peace flip, but if you don't think Thibs or Tibbs, actually, as we say it with with an abbreviation, has has this team heading in the right direction, then you must have rocks in your head. Here's Dunn's presser in case all you TE fans missed it. And it was a wonderful press conference, and he does have a nice future. He's very competitive. He really wants to win, and he's happy to be here as well. It was a nice, I mean, I, I enjoyed the press conference. It's funny how they cut off right before the, the guy hold, held his jersey up. That's the funny part, but that's how it goes. At least in the, on the Timberwolves website, it did. Maybe on the YouTube one, it's a little different. But uh, I enjoyed the whole press conference when it did take place. Guy's got a great future in this league. Very, very, very mature. And it's not about just having a nice smile because we're not worried about the smile. We're worried about <laughs> what he could bring to the court. So that's it. That wraps up a very, uh, <laughs> a very full, a very busy fan interaction. I, I really appreciate you guys listening to this episode. It's so much fun bringing the annual State of the Timberwolves show to you. I'm sorry that Marcus the Forecaster and I couldn't get it together to get a show, to get the show out together, even part of the show, but I do think we will join together for the next episode. In fact, this is the first State of the Timberwolves I recorded by myself since 2009, which is absolutely nuts, but maybe you could kind of say Tanae did help out with that, and a lot of you guys helped out as well. Tanae did kind of help out with uh, by having the, the audio submission, kind of like how Sebastian did with the Purple Mafia show as well. So really, really do appreciate the audio submission and all of your posts as well. So it's not really like I'm solo, particularly when we get to this third segment. It's like you guys are my co-hosts all together, and it's a really wonderful experience. So thank you guys always for your loyalty to the show. When you guys tell me, Thank you for such a wonderful, for another wonderful year of Trimble's Explosion. I want to thank you as well for a wonderful year of interacting with me on this show and making this show more enjoyable and making it feel more and more worth it for me as well, knowing you guys not only listen, but you're a part of the show. You're, you're a part of the TE family, you could say, Timberwolves Explosion family. So 
thank you from the bottom of my heart. And it's been wonderful meeting a lot of the people locally as well this year. Because it seemed like I didn't really reach out locally as much. I mean, I would never give up a single Australian or New Zealander in the world for this show. I mean, guys, you guys, you know, you know, for the world for this show. I mean, I just love you guys. But it's also nice to be finally reaching a little bit more locally as well. Just continue to build the fan base as well. As long as you guys aren't Kool-Aid drinkers. That's always my biggest fear locally. But the ones I've met aren't. That's the important part. And that's kind of more my target audience is the non-Kool-Aid drinkers. So there you go. For those of you out there that could help out a little bit by recording, or excuse me, by writing a review on iTunes for this show, a nice positive review on iTunes or Stitcher would be greatly appreciated. And I would read it on air and give you a huge shout out and a thank you that would be greatly appreciated uh the next episode should be out in the next two weeks or so we'll talk about free agency and pray to god that we don't have a big lockout coming because of a lot of idiotic contracts that just might take place could you imagine joachim noah or yo yeah joachim noah getting a max salary really i mean <laughs> really I, I i don't know i can't even i mean to me that's just completely unacceptable seriously why don't you give pekovic a max salary too just in case he gets better yeah Right, he's going to really get healthy again. Oh, yeah. I'm real confident in that happening. But maybe somebody out there is. <sighs> Anyhow, for that, I'll try not to run this anymore. Thank you guys again for listening, and we'll be back in a few weeks. Mm-hmm.